We're slovenly, we're feelingy, we're really kind of dumb. We're Terry, Shar, and Lissa, all here to have some fun. So guard your holes, let's make some rolls, and talk some D&D with the Cave Trolls. Alright, we are officially recording. Hello and welcome to the Cave Trolls Podcast. My name is Terry Smith, and you know, this is the show where we talk about D&D stuff, like news... And I know what you're thinking. If you don't like D&D, you're like, what news is there? Is there a new dice? Yeah, sometimes there are new dice, okay? Fuckface, we get new dice sometimes, and we want to talk about them. But if you do like D&D and other TTRPGs, then this is the show for you, because this week we are packed to the fucking gills with news. We have to talk about Gen Con. We've put off talking about Gen Con for several weeks, because other news kept coming out. And I said, okay, perfect. This episode is going to be about Gen Con. And then D&D's like, no, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> we have a whole new version of D&D that we've been teasing and we didn't say when it was coming out well it's out now fuck you (laughs) (laughs) so we have a bunch of that stuff to talk about too so we split this episode into first we're going to talk about gen con and the ennies at gen con and then we're going to talk about dnd one so buckle up buttercup here it comes with me today i have char one of the hosts of the slovenly trolls yes hello hi yes um i buy dice it's never a bad time to buy dice and if you don't keep buying dice i don't understand you i i don't keep buying dice but i appreciate when you buy me dice so thank you for that i will always buy you dice that's my default gift now i i love it i'll take it (laughs) charday is the single most person who is keeping up the dice economy here i i honestly believe that i every time she shows up and she's got either new dice new dice accoutrement (laughs) like she showed up one day with like a dice launcher and i was like okay (laughs) Okay, to be fair, Chelsea gave me that for my birthday. <laughs> I that. She fueled the ha- the habit. You know what we need? We don't have enough of because if you were to purchase them, they're a little expensive, but we can make them uh, relatively easy. We need more dice towers. Hmm. So Who's maybe good at arts and crafting here. Yeah, like uh, I have, I have a dice tower I made. It's a volcano. You put it in the the top of the volcano, and it comes out the mouth of the volcano. It's got like a monster mouth. Um. So, like, it's doable. You know, if I can do it, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) You can dream it, you can do it. And the other half of the Slavenly Trolls podcast, we have Lissa. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) I I regret that. uh, You didn't. We have Mario, apparently. (laughs) Yes, hi. I'm Lissa. My name is Lissa. It's me. If you're Mario, that makes Sharday Luigi, and I'm Toad. I love Luigi. I'd gladly be Luigi, but let's be honest here. I'm definitely the third wheel when it comes to this. So I don't think it's fair for me to say I'm Luigi. <laughs> hold on, hold on. We need somebody to be Wah Luigi. Wah, wah Luigi. Perfect. There, there. Wah. Wah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you just unlocked one of the only impressions I can do properly, which is Wah Luigi. So. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite uh, things to do you got like a goblin vendor <laughs> one of my favorite things to do is whenever i do any sort of game of skill with my buddies is i'm just waluigi so like they they go and do something even if they do it well and uh it's enough to slightly put me back in the running for for games of skill huh. just because of the accents 
Uh, yeah, exa- well, it's just, like, distracting them enough to where I seem like I am competent. Because, <laughs> um, like, if it's any sort of game of skill that isn't odd, I'm terrible at it. Like, uh, for instance, I'm terrible at basketball, but I can do free throws okay. But, like, I'm awesome at ping pong, right? Like, I'm not so great at football, but, like, I can destroy you at ping pong it's really just ping pong i think is what i'm discovering here i'm very good at bullseye ball if you remember that mainstay from the 90s as well so you know uh putt putt golf i'm not so bad at and ping pong did i mention that one i have no physical skills whatsoever and i played soccer for 10 years no physical skills (laughs) just tripping up the stairs I have a negative three decks in real life. <laughs> and listen, in the new rules for D&D 1 will accommodate that. There's a 5% chance that you will succeed no matter what, and a 5% chance that you Aww. will not succeed, even if you are amazing at that thing. So, Yeah, I have opinions on that. We'll get to I've it. been arguing with my buddy John all morning about it. Like, fun arguing. Like, oh, he, he's yeah. one of my best friends. I'm not, like, fighting him over this 5% chance. I'd fight but... John over right exactly but it's it's been an argument we've had basically since like the genesis of third edition which if you don't know is one of like my big gripes with like ad and d portrayed in like in, like stranger things the d20 system was not created until third edition so like in 2000 yeah. fun fact we, yeah. we you rolled d20s but it was just another die that certain skills or attacks used yeah. It wasn't like the main DC modifier. You rolled a D20 and saw if you did the thing. It, you rolled lots of different things to see if you could hit a thing. Uh, or actually, lack thereof. You rolled to see if you hit exact zero, if I'm being completely honest here. Um, <laughs> so let's move on before I get into Thacko um, uh, PTSD flashbacks. Oh, don't, yeah, don't bring up Thacko. <laughs> I think it's a thing that like... I, I'm never one of those boomer players who are like, oh, you need to know. You don't understand. It was real back when I played. But I think every player who plays Fifth Edition now should at least have to look at the Thacko chart and appreciate you don't have to use it. Uh, yeah. Fair like, enough. just appreciate that you can play a game where you get to fight dragons, you roll one dice, and it's cool and fun. Because <laughs> we were in the trenches <laughs> fucking trying to hit exact zero, motherfucker. Yeah, every person I've ever talked to who has legitimately used Thacko is just like, don't use it. <laughs> I walked so you could run, okay? Exactly. Like, yeah. please, yes, please Terry. <laughs> yes, Terry, we appreciate your efforts that you have put into the history of D&D so that we can play today. Thank you for your service. Yeah, me me as a white guy, I definitely, <laughs> definitely broke ground. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so let's jump into Gen Con. Let's start with the fun news. Everybody got COVID at Gen Con. Um, it's fucking every 30 seconds. You two were texting me like, yep. And this celebrity got COVID and this celebrity got COVID and their entire home game got COVID. (laughs) Um, notable shout outs. Uh, Abria got COVID, which was a sad one. Because that's one of my my mainstays when I, I open up Twitter, which I don't do often. I can just scroll through and see happy things. And <laughs> she's sitting there going, well, I'm fucked. So that was a depressing one. Um, what about you two? Who did you see that got COVID that you were like, well, I'm sad, actually, for this person I don't know? Sad Dave Walters. Yeah, that was a big one. Yeah, yeah that was another big one. See, Dave. Um, cool. Anybody else? Because everybody got it, but... I think, yeah, everybody got it, and they... We lost a couple you, sure. Of weeks. Yeah. 
It's been a couple of weeks, so I don't remember everybody, but D, B. Dave and Abria are the ones that I remember. Those are the ones that I saw, like, it proliferated from there. Like, they, they mentioned that they got it, and then I just saw a trickle of everybody else who had, like, come into contact. Not trying to blame them. They are not the source of no. it. Like, everybody got going. Yeah. But those are the first two. Those are the big ones that I saw. And then everybody else came out of the woodwork, and I was like, oh, shit, everyone got COVID. And then I was surprised when people didn't get COVID. Like, Brennan Lee Mulligan, I... I don't think got covid and i was like how you were like in the room with these people <laughs> like in some instances some of these people like shared like hotel rooms and i'm like that this is just strange um conspiracy do vaccines work oh no don't don't you're supposed to, you're supposed to be our like escape from that shit because you're european okay like you can't start doing that I also poke the bear, Terry. This is what I do. This is like me coming on here and you telling me that um, that 9-11 was an inside job, okay? Like, you're going to start telling me that there are crisis actors that are catching COVID. I need you. You're like my 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 uh, through line to reality here. I Terry, I think you picked the wrong person. I, listen, um, are you about to tell me you bought a gun? Because that's what I think I'm about to hear. <laughs> I can tell you no. my dad already has a hunting gun. No, I, I have not bought one, though. Scandal. You heard it here first. <laughs> she can hunt. This is an issue. Um, so while I we fire Alyssa, like... like enjoy this message from our sponsors. Uh, I am gonna insert an ad there. I have one ad for the month, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I I don't think it, it paid much, but I I've been doing some background work, and you know the other job I have. <laughs> so, like reached out to people and I'm like hey people listen to this show do you want to sponsor it and they're like no and i was like please and they said all right, all right. yeah maybe sure if like, you thought so nicely <laughs> this guy whined a lot so i guess we'll give him some dollars <laughs> that's how you do it if you create content i mean there's only like especially if you want to make content as a living there's only a fine line between like this and begging like you know we, we are basically like the internet equivalent of um oh shoot help me what what's it when you're barking like on a, on a corner uh when you're playing like music busking we, this is basically busking, busking. yeah barking on a corner <laughs> did you say barking yeah barking on a corner <laughs> i mean that's just an unfortunate reality of living in any city seeing somebody barking on a corner i listen like sometimes you gotta though i always tip if i can if they're actually performing something like uh obviously yeah. like i i I tip whoever I can, but especially buskers because I've done that a little bit and man, people hate you. <laughs> like, yeah. Even if you're really good, like people are just irrationally angry if you're playing something on the street. They, you mm. are you are being serenaded, sir and or madam. Well, not in the case when I was playing, but when other people play often you're serenaded. Mm. Okay, so what do you do then? You just scream? No, no, no. I, I played music. I just wasn't good at it. Like, I wouldn't say serenade is not the correct verb. Uh, <laughs> for what I... <laughs> Char, you've been to shows where I played. Like, it's, it wasn't, like, <laughs> amazing work, right? Like, you weren't like, oh, man, that Terry, he's going places. I mean, I'm also not the best judge because I'm a music snob. <laughs> I don't trust anything that I say. I played a lot she of is. punk music acoustically on corners, so let's just like put that into context. Like I was in a ska band, and, and like I played trombone. So like if you hear like an isolated trombone, you're not like, oh man, right there. <laughs> 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 exactly. <right? laughs> <laughs> anyway.
boys, moving on from people who had COVID. Now we got to get into some serious talk. So everybody put their serious masks on, um, their serious hats. Can a hat be serious? I don't know. Let's try it. Like, take off the yeah. Mickey Mouse ears and put on, like, the Sherlock Holmes hat. I forget what that's called. Oh, I was going to put on a top hat. No, that is not serious. Unless we're talking about capitalism, and then it's very serious. I always yeah, am the top I'm, hat when I'm I play cos- Monopoly. I'm cosplaying as the Monopoly guy. Yes. Okay. Ah, uh, yes. So, so not very serious again. Exactly. So I'm we've serious. talked about I mean, people catching COVID because the COVID guidelines were really lax for Gen Con. And they can't fully be blamed for that. COVID is an extremely infectious disease. So it's going to happen even if you have good things, if you get people together. However, they weren't great when it came to the regulations, so that's why it spread so easily. And then we got into, um, now a couple of weeks ago, how people's information was being stolen and they were being harassed um, because Mm -hmm. the data um, system was run extremely poorly. Almost no precautions were taken. And now... Uh, I guess not now. This is several weeks old now. Sexual misconduct allegations coming from an entire group of D&D players and other TTRPGs happening from one um, user. Again, I say allegations because a lot of this hasn't been proven. People have have come forward. And there's a lot of allegations, which lends me to believe that it's probably true. Um, but I wasn't there. It didn't happen to me. So I say allegations. I am sorry if that offends you. Uh it's dangerous and makes me liable if i say it it happens and i wasn't there to make it fact so that's why i do that um but yeah sexual allegations against one specific player in many different groups do you two read up on this do you know anything about this yeah i was following it on twitter and sending charday the posts as i came across them yeah um so to to sum up uh twitter user formerly known as a wise artist i think they deleted their twitter after everything also goes by daisy um she had multiple allegations from different players and just friends of these groups that have gotten together of sexual misconduct um sa in a couple of situations and just general not unwanted physical contact and it just kept getting worse and worse as like the tweets came out like one person came forward and then two or three more came forward and actually made their their stances public they weren't going to say anything and then they started to get into the very specifics which i don't want to do here it's not important what the specifics are in my opinion you can go read up on that i'm going to put the twitter links in the description um but they're they're quite varied, which was another thing that I found extremely problematic. Um, where like, you can't say it was an isolated incident. It happened all weekend to multiple different people in multiple different ways, which is really fucked up. Um, not that any of it would be normal anyways. Um, but the disturbing fact even past all of that was there was only three that came out publicly. There was several people that had made private statements to Gen Con and their investigating body, which, I, I don't know what good that really does for those people because if Gen Con was this lax with everything else, are they going to really do the investigating to make it a safer space for anyone? Um, I haven't heard anything about police except that some people had made actual police statements. So there could be criminal charges brought. I haven't heard anything about that since. Um, but the more disturbing fact was that multiple other people who did not come forward also had stories from that weekend specifically. Um, so it was just a tirade. It was all weekend. It's not an isolated incident if this has happened to so many people. Um, so I thought that was really fucked up. Uh, I, I'll pass the ball over to you two. I, I know I'm kind of ranting here. 
I'll let Lissa take the helm on this one because, like she said, she's the one who was <laughs> she was sending me. Yeah, she she uh, Lissa's always on it when it comes to the Twitter um Twitter stuff when it comes to like the 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 drama of it all and like the things that are actually happening. Like you'll text me stuff. You're like, hey, there's new dice. But when shit's going down, <laughs> Liz is the one who's like, across, you yeah, Liz, we come across, Chris, I, I would argue I'm on Twitter more than Lissa is because I run our Slavonly Trolls Twitter. Mm-hmm. But for some reason on Lissa's timeline, she gets all of that, like, updating stories a lot quicker than I do. Because Word. I think she has some innate superpower where, like, she her timeline is just way more curated for the news than mine is. Right. But I mean, yeah. my timeline is also my personal timeline, so I've done this on myself <laughs> you've, you've <laughs> brought it upon out. yourself it kind of reminds me like every time my mom calls she has to tell me about another person i don't know who has cancer like she just like always there's she's she's like seeks out and finds out who has cancer just so she can let me know about it um and she also watches a lot of uh finnish uh crime drama so lissa <laughs> i don't know maybe there's something there <laughs> cool 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 <laughs> Anyways, yeah, boom scrolling in a different format, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, there were allegations, and there was an apology on the person's Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually that happened first before most people came forward because a lot of people weren't going to. Yeah, it, that right? that came out very quickly. Um, I don't know if it was first before the actual allegations came up, but that came very quickly. And then also very quickly, it disappeared and the person disappeared as well off Mm -hmm. of Twitter. Um, They did apologize for their behavior. They did say that they needed to and were going to go and get help um, because they, the story goes that they did, um, there was alcohol involved as well, um, but that they were going to seek help was the basis of the apology Mm. and they were very apologetic that it happened and that they couldn't i mean there was nothing they could do to you know take back what they what had happened supposedly right the the three stories i specifically had mentioned um a lot of people criticized that response as well yeah it felt a little disingenuine from from at least like the victim standpoint privately through private channels the um alleged person who did all of this stuff instead made a public statement first to like in their eyes save face more so than actually reach out to the people they hurt and apologize in a more personal way and i can definitely see where they're coming from and so and um like worrying about your public persona first instead of reaching out privately and i think there was another criticism of it where um like you said they brought up alcohol which is not an excuse for bad behavior full Mm -hmm. stop absolutely um and people call, rightfully called that out, like just because there is some sort of substance involved that does not, you know, recuse you from any of these allegations. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and, and a lot of the victims that came forward on Twitter, they came out, uh, like you said, like there were there were people were coming forward to Gen Con investigations, but those three stories specifically, they came out afterwards because they felt it was somewhat disingenuous and didn't want to they didn't want it to be minimized essentially and they didn't 
they felt like they needed to be more of a mouthpiece for the other people that weren't going to come forward publicly um to say that these issues like no no no, this isn't an apology issue this is much worse than that like this can't be settled with i'm sorry essentially was the message i got in my opinion yeah um yeah but but yeah it's just i i i feel kind of sick because it didn't surprise me when it came to Gen Con after all the other stuff that came out, I was really thankful that first week when I hadn't heard about this stuff. And we talked about all the shitty stuff about Gen Con. I was like, perfect. It it, it sucks that these people are being assaulted online, but at least it was online, I guess, you know? Um, and then, then this immediately happens. I was like, no, Gen Con was an extremely unsafe space in almost every way, shape and form. Yeah. I remember not specifically Gen Con, but I think we've maybe talked about just cons in the past. The last time we talked about Gen Con about how generally they're unsafe space, usually for women or female presenting people. Mm-hmm. Cause just because it has for so long been a very like quote unquote masculine environment. And every mm-hmm. time I hear stories like this, I think about, um, I used to, I took a break cause there's a lot of episodes, but I was listening for a while to this podcast called fake geek girls which is a great podcast. They do a lot of analysis on a lot of geek culture. And one of their episodes, they talked about cons and they talked about this exact issue where they just because like one of them was dressed up like cosplaying and the other one was not. And they both got like cat called and one person got their butt touched by a stranger because apparently them wearing a cosplay was an invitation to that person. And that's such a common occurrence when it comes to cons. Yeah. It's such a common story when it comes to, especially female presenting people. Yeah. But like, yeah. it's like, oh, co- like, like that's why there's a whole catchphrase around it. Cosplay is not consent. Yeah, yeah, and it's sad that it needs a catchphrase, but it is a hundred percent true. Like, just because somebody is dressed as a character who is provocative or might appear to you to be provocative, that's not an invitation to touch them without their consent or do anything of that sort but apparently some people just do not understand that and i (laughs) i I mean there are probably a bunch of reasons why that is but the bottom line is that it's wrong and unfortunately if you are dressed a certain way quote unquote or even not even if you're just a female presenting person you you are on guard at these events at all times like and that's just the reality of it and I think that's partly why they're so disappointed in, in Daisy specifically during that all the altercations is they thought they were in a safe space with their friends. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. I felt really bad about that because the, it wasn't a random person. It seems to be a lot of the, the hurt behind it was this is a person that they knew and thought they were safe yeah. around, which is so disappointing in a story that you hear often in any sort of sexual misconduct is they, they thought they could trust this person. Um, and that just sucks. It sucks that, that that happened. It sucks that these people had to come forward like that because of that apology. And it sucks that, again, that there was no governing body that took any of these things into consideration beforehand. And if they did take into consideration, they did nothing about it. Yeah, no, they, they any big event like this, like society in general, like any event, anywhere and i would argue just multiple places in society yeah it's not gen con specifically yeah they have so much farther to go when it comes to sa allegations it's been going on forever basically and thankfully we're having conversations now and we're calling it out more and so we're making these big companies or organizations or what have you we're holding them more accountable 
and we're saying, hey, listen, like we're not going to go to your events and we're going to take away your cash flow if you don't do something about this. And hope and hopefully that's, you know, going to inspire change, but it, it's going to be like a really steep learning curve for sure. Ah, uh, well, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what else we can say on that, but definitely check out those those people's stories that I have linked to it. Uh, you know, don't just take our word for it. Get educated, too, just in case you go to these cons, in case you want to do business with any of these people, in case you want to follow any of these people or support them. Like, go check out the personal stories. Don't just take our third-hand information, you know? Um, I, I get frustrated sometimes. And they're like, well, you didn't, you didn't mention this. I'm like, please go, go and look at it yourself because we can't cover everything. And it's important to hear it from them and not just from us um yeah always check yeah. your sources yeah always check your story right like beyond like the, the ethical <laughs> exactly. impl implications of it just like fact check dude fact like, check, fact check uh, our asses we say that uh, on solving the trolls we'll say it on cave trolls like fact check our asses and we are far from above making mistakes and i'm not and that's not the only reason i want you to go check it out like if there's a lot of other implications there the reason why but also that like don't just trust any disembodied voice you hear yeah <laughs> Even if we're awesome. <laughs> Which we are awesome. They're not mutually exclusive. You could be awesome and wrong, right? Oh, yeah. 100%. I am both awesome and wrong 100% of the time. I'm I'm I... neither, and that's a problem, right? Oh. <laughs> I am awesome, sometimes wrong, but very hardly. Oh. <laughs> uh... Good mixture we got. Good mixture there. All right. So moving on to the Ennies, which if you don't know, it's an award ceremony that happens at Gen Con. One of the good things, uh, I'm guessing, from Gen Con. Um, what do, what do the Ennies, Ennies stand for? Can you two help me out about that? I'm even on the official site, and I still haven't found oh, the fine. breakdown of the acronym. I'm going to have to look Oh, the acronym? Yeah. Does anyone know? I thought you I thought you were going to say like what do they stand for? Like what are their values? What are their what values? Value? What's their mission statement? Um That's a great question because yeah, it's not on there. Yeah, I can't find it, but that's okay. Like even going by their their about us, the any awards are an annual fan-based celebration of excellence in tabletop yeah. role-playing gaming. The Ennies give game designers, writers and artists the recognition they deserve. It is a people's choice award and the final winners are voted upon online by the gaming public. So, it's a fucking game award. <laughs> like it's RPG Oscars if you will. Yeah. Um, but I but I still don't know what the Ennies are. That was less important and more just like, hey, do you two know? Because I don't. <laughs> uh, and I looked. Um, but anyways, so let's get into who won this year at Gen Con. Um, so which award category do we want to jump into first? I have all of the, the winners here. We have the Judges Spotlights, Fan Award, Best Adventure, Best Accessory. That's one of my favorites. Best Art Cover, Best Art Interior, Best Cartography. Like, I, that's these awards I mean, are specifically for us, which is why I get excited about them, even though now I firmly hate Gen Con as much as I hate Comic Con. <laughs> we we don't like Gen Con right now, but we appreciate the Ennies. I like people being recognized for work that is extremely hard, but because it's niche, people are like, oh, who gives a fuck? And I'm like, we give a fuck, see? We we give a fuck. Well, I just want to, I mean, I'm not familiar with every winner in every category because like, you know, compared to a lot of people, I'm a big tabletop newbie and doing this show 
<laughs> has opened you up to all those other games. <laughs> I'm like, how? I mean, I knew there were a lot of games out there, but now I know them by name. So the only <laughs> big winners that I know are Uncaged Goddesses, which I'm so happy about because that I, I'm so happy that a book about female goddesses, which is one of my special interests right now, <laughs> won an award. And I'm so excited because I still haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. But now that it's an Emmy Award winner, I freaking I gotta get on that. And then did um, we buy I'm that really one? Excited. I feel like I own that now. Did I? Did that I come up? Not own it. I, I haven't read it either. Oh wait, um, wait, wait! I I looked through some of the Emmys. Uh, okay, hold on. Um, <laughs> I you did your research. <laughs> I did my I did my research a couple weeks ago because we were gonna we were going to talk about this a while ago. We were gonna yeah that's yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I am excited for uh, if we go in order of where what they are in the um, on the page. Yeah, let's just I jump into ex- judges spotlight winners, right? I am excited for Shanty Hunters because you sing songs with friends and you sing sea shanties. <laughs> like, how do you not get excited about that? that A musical? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. You sing songs. <laughs> you sing sea shanties, not just anything. Not just any sea music. Sea shanties. I mean, like, okay, I ha- I mean, sea chanties are great, but like any any excuse I can have to sing in any space for tabletop, I'm about just full stop. Doesn't matter what the genre is. <laughs> um, the other one that I looked at was the Kobold's Guide to Monsters. Yeah, that was the other one that I apparently owned from this list. It's like psychology of mm-hmm. monsters, which is super interesting. Ooh. And it's written from the point of view of a monster too. Like it's like some, it's Ooh. like picture like somebody like kind of giving their take on on uh, like, like you talk to a therapist or or a psychiatrist for uh like like think like uh like Hannibal in in, in the case of yeah. Buffalo Bill like that, um which is really really cool and it's super cheap. Like you can get it for like twelve bucks. Hell yeah. Yeah, for that PDF <laughs> is twelve ninety nine. I, I feel like uh I I always like like harp on like the prices, but that's like a big portion of it. Like people can't always afford the sixty dollar hardcover book, you know, so when games make right. it affordable to yeah. add something, it's a big thing for me. That that makes some of the purchases that we do on this on this show is I always buy something <laughs> each episode. Um like doable because it's like, oh, it's a three dollar PDF or whatever, right? Like it's yeah. easy for me to support if it's affordable. I understand why some things have to be more expensive. People deserve to get paid for all their hard work. But it's just not a reality that we can support every game, right? So when I see something mm-hmm. under twenty dollars, it makes me happy. Yeah. That is. It, it it's just the accessibility is so I mean, the soft cover book is just twenty dollars. That's that you know, that's pretty good, especially for a supplement. I've seen some supplements range closer to the forty dollar, and we're talking like maybe a fifty page book. And I'm like, that's I again, I understand like cardstock's like not cheap. I've been looking. I'm I'm getting ready to print a pitch uh, comic and trying to figure out which cardstock me and the artist are going to agree on is a really yeah. hard thing to do because you want the nicest thing ever but you have to print a shit ton of them <laughs> so that like yeah. your cost eventually gets lower and lower to the point where it's like printed on toilet paper because it's all <laughs> I can afford to print more than four <laughs> copies of um yeah. like printing books are expensive but yeah cobalt guide to monsters shanty hunters other winners are stack of goblins which i haven't heard of but i have to check that out it's just based on the name uh dwelling and wickedness i have heard of wickedness i haven't heard of dwelling um mm-hmm. but this is also a good list 
uh, one of the reasons why I like award shows, even ones that are kind of rigged, like you think of the Oscars, like a lot of that is politics. They're not always the best movies, but I enjoy especially uh, like critics choices or um, like just like fan choice awards because it shows yeah. me what other people really like and want to want to win awards and what they deserve, what they think people deserve when it comes to awards. Mm-hmm. So it's like people's best of lists. And that, mm, like, yeah. I'm, I'm getting through the flack because some of my favorite games are bad games, right? Some of my favorite, <laughs> like, music is bad music by other people's standards. <laughs> but when you get the best of the best voted on like this, you have multiple people's, multiple people's favorites, which is kind of like a curated list of, I need to check out Wickedness, probably, if it won the Judges Spotlight Award, right? Yeah. But anyways, um, fan award for best publisher was Darrington Press, which we've talked about at length at this show, uh, on this show. So that's cool. Um, best adventure. Uh, anything stick out for you two? Uncaged <laughs> fucking goddess. <laughs> Again. <laughs> it won the gold winner, that. which is like all those were, were winners, but that one was like the one, essentially. It's with the bull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so ha- I'm so excited for them. Like, yeah. I'm- I, I follow like most of the creators of Uncaged Goddesses on Twitter and like they were they were just so elated and like humble and like it was a group effort and like this is not just one win and I'm just like I love it when people do that and I love to see <laughs> like again this is like a special interest of mine currently because I'm doing all those lore rewrites and I have a special place in my heart for goddesses specifically and it's really cool to see um an adventure book slash lore book slash amazing art win that big because i think this isn't the only thing it won i think it also won for a couple art awards as well which is well deserved because the art is gorgeous yeah it won in a bunch of different categories and you can say like female-led team is a big portion where like oh is that that big of a deal yes it is especially in this nerdy landscape when it comes to the design of a book like it's a big it's a feminist it's a feminist reimagining of D D based stuff yes both like monsters and goddesses so like we really cover feminist stuff on here though like is that really yeah i don't know if that's our area of expertise (laughs) uh Shout out to Gwen DB and Angry Nerd Girl because I just the cover is amazing. Gwen DB made the cover because I follow her on Twitter and I love her work. And yeah, they won like uh wait gold on best adventure and silver on best cover, and it portrays like the fabulous Joaquin. <laughs> i gotta credit them uh i got to work with an artist recently i can't drop names because some of this is like contract negotiations but i had to send over some reference material for a page and i sent the cover um oh, <laughs> because yeah. i was like this is kind of what i was going for on this page they're like that's fucking dope <laughs> so <laughs> you know, yeah. like you are correct it is <laughs> <laughs> it is so dope <laughs> um other, another uh shout out one because i i do know this game is uh from from demon fucked cleveland 1996 uh and i know it purely from the name uh <laughs> all the other extraction books but um i'm not even gonna get into it just go look up what the game is uh it's a fun time um but i don't know a lot of the other ones in this category hark says no. the frog uh magus uh odd jobs the troubleshooters the u-boat mystery but i have to check that out just because i love mysteries and u-boats um that one won the silver award so the troubleshooters so i'm gonna check that out um next up is the best aid slash accessory digital this is one of my favorite categories because 
again, it doesn't sound that interesting, but because of the digital landscape, when you think of books, when it comes to digital, it's like, oh, you got the PDF, like, or maybe like, uh, maybe an image, um, like supplement or possibly a sound supplement. But now in the wake of like virtual tabletop gaming, the digital pack-ins have become so much cooler ranging from like 3d printing guides for like figures to straight up like actual 3d models for tabletop simulator D D beyond etc so like they, they have some really cool shit like um this this time so the one that won the mork borg digital monster generator is fucking awesome um so cool yeah I like that one, yeah. <laughs> uh like that one like uh, th- there's no there's no reason why it shouldn't one but another one because we've talked about it on the show is the tales of zadia the dragon prince role-playing game digital tool set um won an award mm-hmm. because basically it's like hey if you like the setting here are all the tool sets that you can use which is cortex's like non-diplom that's what it's made out of it's made from a system that can become anything else but dragon prince was like hey if you don't like this world as is, here are the things that maybe you want to cherry pick. Like maybe you just like our magic system. So here's the magic system. Or maybe you just like our species and our dragons. So like you can kind of just use that and put it wherever you want. They they were not so, they were humble, right? They were like, hey, you probably don't like everything about our setting. So just take what you want. And I thought that that was really cool. And not a lot of things that have a theme or an IP do that. They're like, no, no, you like everything, right? And so often that's not the case when it comes to an IP because it's an IP. It's got lots of shit in it. So I just, I appreciated that they were humble about it. Also, I bought it. So I had to say something. Um, the goblins notebook. I don't know what that is, but I love goblins. So I'm going to go see if I should buy that. Um, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know you loved goblins. Uh, yeah. You, who would have, who would have guessed? I only mentioned it all the time. You, you love elves. <laughs> I love goblins. Um, and, uh, and Lissa <laughs> loves being better than us. Right. Yep. Good um, to know. That is on, that's untrue. She's playing a drow. <laughs> so listen, she's come over to my side. So, um, I'm never going to let her forget it. <laughs> the next one is interesting <laughs> when it comes to all the stuff that we talked about because it's uh, Call of Cthulhu 3D Digital Gamer Props, Mass of Nyarlathotep, um, which is interesting because we don't, we don't really talk about miniatures a lot on this show because we mostly play Theater of the Mind. And uh, Call of Cthulhu is an interesting one. I didn't know that that had uh, miniature rules. Uh, maybe it's not just yeah. miniatures. Maybe it's just gamer props, like other things that you can have. Because I play... Um, a couple of Call of Cthulhu games where I make, like, clues. Like, people like to hold physical things. So, seeing that mm-hmm. as, like, a 3D, like, digital object gives me a lot of hope. Um, I just didn't expect that one. That's really cool. Uh, that yeah, won the yeah. silver award. The the Morkborg uh, won the gold award, by the way. Morkborg. Morkborg. <laughs> Try not to do it. Come on. It's actually Mork-Borg. Swedish, so it's Merk. Merk. Merkborg. I can't roll my Mirk, tongue. I, 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 well, actually, no, I, I don't. I don't pronounce it as a Swede. So, oh, okay. <laughs> so, Morkborg is fine then. I can <laughs> as a, as a Finnish, the Swedish. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Okay, that makes me feel better. Um. <laughs> all right. So next up is the best aid slash accessory non-digital. Um, the Call of Cthulhu classic prop set again neat that they're that they're doing the physical clues that's such a big portion to me when it comes to cthulhu or just like the the general like old gods mythos type thing is that that curio right like handing somebody a creepy old book and it's leather bound 
and there's clues inside. Mm -hmm. I love that. So that's really cool. City of Mist, um, crime board map. You know how I feel about um, uh, the not Age of Apocalypse. What's the Powered by the Apocalypse game? So I'm not a big fan of City of the Mist. I have played it several times though. Um, and having a crime board map is really cool when it comes to that setting. It's kind of like a noir superhero world where it's covered in mist and if you're touched by the mist you have superpowers like a mutant but people don't know and it kind of like it's hard on their minds there's kind of this like cthulhu aspect where it's like they can't quite comprehend so they erase it from their brains if they see someone use these powers um and there's the people that have the powers can handle knowing other people have it so getting into a lot of crime and back alley stuff so having that map is really cool um again i love the setting i just don't like the system um uh the fate accessibility toolkit which is really awesome uh fate is another uh game system that powers a lot of other games so having it more accessible to other people uh, there's a reason why i got the silver award like just expanding that is really really popular yeah i i looked at it so it's it's like a a toolkit to bring disabled characters into your game and to support disabled players at the table both yeah and it's like seeing yourself in the game and being able to play right and it's like done with uh by talking to actual disabled people in their own words and there's also advice on playing disabled characters and discussion on different disabilities and sort of like a also a review of rpg safety tools and an asl reference for common rpg terms which i think is really cool in terms of accessibility sorry about my talk (laughs) (laughs) but yeah in terms of bringing accessibility to the table i think that's amazing what they've done agreed i agree i agree i agree (laughs) <laughs> are, are you still there can you hear me yes yes okay yes. i completely agree and it's exciting that they're actually tying it into both so it's like seeing yourself in the game is important but being able to play the game and making it more accessible is also really important um and i think seeing it in tandem is really exciting you don't often see it in tandem a lot of what i i think a lot of the flack a lot of games get even if it is accessible is it's still a little ableist to go well you clearly want to look like this right you clearly want to yeah. be able to do this, right? And sometimes you yeah. just want to see yourself in a game. And that's not always the case, but it should be an option, which is something we'll get into oh. a little bit with D&D 1. Um, but it's still exciting to see them doing both, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, next up, we have the best art and cover. Um, again, you see Uncaged Goddesses. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I, we can, I, there's not much we can say about these like go look at this art um I, i'm putting a link to all of the award winners in this so you can go check it out but there's lots of ghoul shit on here i don't think anything on here won unnecessarily yeah it's all i do so have well i do have something to say because i found out that wonder home that won the gold one that's based on tuva jansson's work who is a finnish person <gasps> She, she, there are other people so she, in Finland? <laughs> Excuse I, I you. I thought Liz was the only one. Yes, population And, and Lissa's dog. I thought those were the two people. <laughs> it's just a sheet of ice, and she's there, and that's what, yeah. what happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's based on Tuva Jansson, who is a lesbian um, 
she she's unfortunately passed away at this point but she's a lesbian she's a Finnish Swede or no Swedish Finn uh, so she's speaks Swedish as her mother tongue but it she's Finnish and she created the Moomin cartoon which is like my childhood Aww. and yeah I love Amazing. her did we talk about Moomin on the episode of right in the fields when we talked about like your cartoons from your kid like your childhood so maybe we did maybe, maybe we need to do a part two because i think that'd be maybe really we need interesting to do a part two to about. we, we oh, talked no, about I'm, that i think russian i for one. yeah i talked about the russian one i think i completely forgot about movements and then after the episode i was like oh wait and then realized we didn't talk about movements at all because they're <laughs> like the giant hip-hop hippo looking things yeah. giant hippo thing. I mean, I okay, okay. Great description. I, I, have, I know what you're I have talking Moomin, about. Yeah, I know. I know. In order to tell people what I'm talking about, like if you've seen them, you know what I'm talking about when I say giant hippo looking things because I used to have a pair of Moomin earrings that I wore to school and everybody would come over to me and be like, "Oh, I love those. Those are really cute hippos." And I'm like, "Bitch, please." <laughs> Let me tell you a tale about Moomin. I didn't know that she had passed away. That's kind of that's kind of sad and puts a little bit of a different um, context on there. Yeah. Like the posthumous award, like I, it shouldn't change the work at all, but it does. It does change it a little bit. It, it makes it more mythical to me. It's like uh, when Heath Ledger won the award for for Joker posthumously. I was like, mm. you know, it's just there's there's a little bit more of a a mythic quality there because you're never going to see more work from them. Yeah, I, I should probably explain that it's not like just based on her work but it's also based on Hayao Miyazaki's work uh, so we've already we talked like about how much we stand that from them, yeah oh, okay yeah. so it's so it's 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 more based on not actual from her no 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 it's not like actual oh okay it's based okay. on yeah still cool though that's still an interesting yeah. inspiration and uh, it sounds like good cute. qualities to pick from right yeah um, who else won there? So, Colossal Solo RPG Adventure, Lore of Athera, The Lost Druid, Thirsty Sword Lesbians, uh, obviously. Um, I, I have other people here in the part where they laugh they heard that title. I'm gonna have to like preach more of the root house for Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Um, even though I don't like the system, but I have to throw out that caveat every time. I don't like the system, but... <laughs> because it's still a good game. I don't want to take it, like, it's not an objective thing where I'm like, oh, I think it's a bad game. It's like, no, subjectively, like, it's a good game. I'm just not a fan of that play style. But yeah, that shouldn't disparage good. that game because you hear me go, oh, I don't like it. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, next up is the best art interior. Um, I'm going to let you two do that category um, for a minute. I got to go. There's a lot of noise on my back end, so I'll be right back. Got you. So best art interior. Uncaged Goddess says one. They didn't win gold or silver, but they're here and we love they're them. Nominees. <laughs> they're nominees. As, as well as thirsty sword le le lesbians. <laughs> thirsty sword les. It is kind of a tongue twister, isn't it? Though thirsty, thirsty sword lesbians. Thirsty, thirsty sword, sword lesbians. lesbians. Thirsty, thirsty sword, sword lesbians. lesbians. Thirsty <laughs> Can you say it five times faster than that, please? <laughs> and then Wander Home got silver. So again, that really yeah. amazing tribute to those um, amazing artists. 
one. And then Historia is also up here. I don't know what that is, but I see dark fantasy renaissance and I'm already, my body is ready. <laughs> well, we actually, we talked about that last week. Um, I think that was, that comes from a, a Finnish team as well. No, it was a Swedish team. Um, yeah. Swedish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even better because it makes us uncomfortable. Right. And then uh, we talked about the One Ring RPG Second Edition a little bit last week as well. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, oh, hell yeah. Amazing. Uh, I, 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 it's not necessarily something yes, that we play. Lisa might, but. Lord of the yeah. Rings, baby. That's her bread and butter. Right. (laughs) Next up is my favorite category, which is the best cartography. Um, We already mentioned the City of Mist crime board map. Uh, That's how good the map is. It's for a system and a game that I don't really like playing, and it's that good. Um, Yeah. I uh, I cannot pronounce that word. Help me out, Lissa. The the Czech looking one. I couldn't help you. Uh, Oh no. Chepaku. Maps collection. Yeah, that that sounds right. Um, that one won. I don't know what that is, so we're going to have to look into it. The Handy Maps, Dungeons, Caves, and Strange Locales one, I do know. Mm-hmm. Um, Cult Labyrinths, A Secret Chamber, and Scarlet Citadel Map Folio um, also came from Cobalt Press, so I'm aware of that one. Um, Helm Gast, we've already mentioned earlier in the show, um, did work on the Cult Labyrinths and Secret Chambers. Um, I think, yeah, yeah, I do own this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like sometimes i'm like i recognize that creator's name why i was like well because i bought that <laughs> um i like that one specifically because it, it kind of has it's got the normal map layout that you would see in most different games and rpgs maps but then it's got these like really expansive lists of what's hidden in there inside the labyrinth so like not just traps but like which treasure is there and that's pretty normal but we're talking every single chamber has lists and opportunities for play um and you don't see that it being that deep i guess mm-hmm. normally can you guys uh hear me okay is it getting too loud on my end no i can hear you okay just making sure yeah, you, you tell you. me if, if it becomes a problem i hear your microwave <laughs> listen listen you gotta have the microwave. It's ma- i'm making or i'm not making my wife's making chicken nuggies for my kids tell her your wife and, and, my, and my niece is here and she doesn't know that i'm recording but she's got milk and a banana, so. <laughs> My sister lost it there with chopsticks. She's like, listen, the kid's going to make some noise, okay? <laughs> listen, get over it. Um, next up is the best electronic book, uh, Complicated Profession. Uh, and with designer's commentary. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I apologize. One Night Strahd which i've played um if you like like one night werewolf that kind of thing but with the Ooh, you know. i actually bought one night straw did you Ooh. yeah should we play it i think that might be a fun one to play on air because you can i want to play i <laughs> that, that's, i put that maybe in our goals um yeah, the lazy dm's companion which we talked about on the show before purchase it yeah. please like it's am, worth I it am a lazy DM, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> meant for you Charday. <laughs> we we I mentioned say I'm it. a lazy DM, but I also spend four to five hours. Yeah, playing. you're not though. You're you're <laughs> lazy in the same way that I'm lazy. It's like sometimes you're like, I didn't look up that rule. I don't know what that is. But like we don't it's not yeah. like we don't prepare. Yeah, no, we repair, but also we're really good at pretending when we didn't when we, <laughs> That's we're true good too. at pretending that like the the players are doing exactly what we thought they were gonna do and then after we're like <gasps> 
I know like, we talked about this a little bit. We we have one one episode pre-recorded that we're ready to drop in whenever we need to take a week off, and that's where we like talk like I'll make all of our like help guide for like new DMs. And one of the things that we talked yeah. about a little bit is like there's no better feeling than when they're like, Oh man, that was such a cool plan. Like how did you see that coming? And we're like, oh, we made all of that up. I have no idea. I what made you're talking literally about. all of that up. And if my players ask me that, I'm just like, you know, it was just it was just the luck of the draw. I don't know. Like you guys. No, you tell great. me the truth, bitch. And you then, tell me the truth. yeah, no, <laughs> I tell Lissa the truth now because she's starting to DM. So I'm giving her more DM secrets. Right. But before, when she wasn't DMing, I didn't want her to know any of my secrets. So I'm like, <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to maintain this facade of like being all-knowing. Much like the Lord, I work in mysterious <laughs> ways is usually what I say. Exactly. And now I'm just like, oh no, I made literally all of that up on the spot. <laughs> all of it and then she's like are you serious I'm like yeah <laughs> do you really think i prepared for you to like kick down that door with brute force and a nat 20 of course i didn't what do you mean um so we're gonna have to rapid fire through some of these because we can't get through every category i recommend everybody go to the any's website i'll link it here and you can check out all the winners and just click on some of them like even if you just like the name like some of these like yeah i'm very well versed in a lot of these games and i'm finding ones i didn't even hear of before so like go check this out um so we were on the best electronic book um best family game let's just go through the silver and gold winners of these yeah. um uh, also, I guess I'm going to mention the the second edition of this other game, which is Laser Ponies, because you should check out Laser Ponies. It's exactly what that it sounds, sounds like. Hilarious. Uh, it's a little bit more of a one than a one sheeter, which the, um, there's some other games that have similar rules that are really quick and easy to play. But play Laser Ponies. Questlings, the RPG, is really good, and Wonder Home won for the gold for best family game, and I think all of those are good. Uh, when it comes to family stuff, I know I'm the only one who plays with like kids from like four to seven, but Questlings it also often comes up as like a good uh, like D and D like like baby's first D and D game because it deals with D twenties, D sixes, and D eights. Mm. Um, so it gets it's like one of the few that get into multiple dice when it comes to kids. A lot of the other systems usually go to just one, where it's like just D sixes or just D twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Next up, we have the best uh, free game slash product, which is an interesting one. It was like rating all the free stuff. Um, it was a little <laughs> bit weird. Um, of course, there's a Vampire Masquerade on there, but they make 4,000 products a year. I don't know how they do that. Um, the 2021 Level 1 Anthology um, is a really good one. Um, and Worlds Beyond, The Infernal Breach, both of those are, are solid. Um I don't know if, about any of the other ones on that list. Do either one of you know the 2021 no. Level 1 Anthology? No. No, other than I opened up the link right now. When <laughs> <laughs> we know it won an award, so that means it's probably pretty awesome. <laughs> Which is pretty good. Um, let's see. In the 2021 edition of Level 1, you will enjoy a diverse selection of games connected with the theme of masks, wild animals at a drag show, building cities out of dice, bumbling villains against comic book do-gooders, emotional robots, and much more. Um, the entire book is exactly as diverse as it sounds. There's some random shit in there um, for Level 1 adventures. You can it don't, you don't have to be Level 1 to play those adventures, but that's what I dig for it. I, I use it as... Uh, Hey, you've never played this before. Let's just jump in and play a game real quick. Or I have I don't have anything prepared, but I have this book. Um, it's really good for that. Um, 
best game this is one of the bigger awards there thirsty sword lesbians won of course um we knew that because that came out a while ago and then root the rpg um won the second place award there which is really cool root is it's based off a board game and then i think they have a digital version that's more of like an actual game as well like video game um but picture mouse guard or um the red wall that kind of thing um then you too can pitch Thirsty Sword Lesbians because I feel like I'm always the one that mentions it and that's not fair. Well, I don't really know too much about it, honestly. I, I just remember seeing the Kickstarter forever ago and I have a friend who backed the Kickstarter, I believe, and then um, I don't think backed it enough to get a copy, so she bought a copy later on and she has been hunting down or trying to hunt down people to play it and she's like, would you like to play it? Then I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm in three campaigns. I do not have time. <laughs> so I I don't really have time to play it myself right now, unless it's maybe like a one shot. But from what I heard of from the friend who bought it is one, obviously the art is gorgeous. And two, it just looks like a really amazing narrative game, which is usually my bread and butter. It's really so cool in that. Like it's powered by the apocalypse, which you've heard me talk about where it's like you have tags yeah. and a playbook for your character. Um flirting, sword fighting, and zingers in a system designed for both narrative drama and player safety. Um and that's where my expertise comes on it. Mm-hmm. is like yeah. the the player safety aspect is really really good it's got all of the things that you've heard x cards you know lines and veils but it's built into the system it's on page one so Great. i that's where yeah. i would recommend it on that aspect in the inclusivity really obviously like it's hard yeah. to be um you know it's hard to disenfranchise people when it's in the name <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, um exactly. and, and it sounds silly but it really it's like it's hard to be like no we don't do that at my table when it's in the fucking name of the game so um that's Which where is probably I part that. of the reason they did it and hell yeah it was a yeah great it works well exactly it's, it's hard to minimize it. the diversity yeah. of the game if you put it in the mm-hmm. title yeah um I so know. i well-deserved win um best layout and design delta green impossible landscape and act tongue cthulhu 2d20 game master's guide act tongue is a really cool system if you like d20s instead of d100s but you want to play that cthulhu flavor a little bit of an easier less like ugh, game like cthulhu could be kind of mean sometimes to its players so act tongue is a good way to go about that um best monster slash adversary book um home field advantage a compendium of lair actions is a really good supplement that one the silver i own that one i recommend it if you're having trouble figuring out how to do interesting boss battles like if it's just your dragon every time um lair actions are a really cool thing that i think a lot of newer dms miss out like legendary actions is one that we always joke about it's like oh you're learning how to do legendary actions now so so, like this boss attacks twice or whatever but lair actions is another point that can really level up your fifth edition game Mm -hmm. Um, and then Nightfell, Bestiary for 5e. I actually don't know this one, um, but I love a good Bestiary. That's... Oh, always. we always looking for new creepy, crawly. Exactly. Um, so you will face ancient horrors, uh, horrors, superstition, and occultism. So it looks like it's kind of like a primordial um, old ones, old gods, Cthulhu-esque type game. Yeah, horror fantasy setting for yeah, 5th edition. I like that. Interesting. Um, check out that. And what's the price on there? Do you have... Did you see that? I didn't uh, see the price. $9.99 for a PDF. That's not bad for a bestiary. Um, oh, yeah. That's pretty reasonable. Um, best online content, RPGbot.net, 
uh, one, the gold and Sly Flourish blog. I use both of those. Highly recommend. They have everything from encounters to um, just general tips for new GMs or experienced ones. The uh, Sly Flourish has a really good blog on um, how to do a mystery, like a murder mystery or any mystery in your game, like the do's and don'ts that I've used now for a decade. So um, I highly recommend that. Uh, best organized play. Uh, this is one where I am completely out of my element. I don't know any of these because I don't play with other people that I don't know. Uh, but the gold winner <laughs> is find that familiar and the silver was two hearts apart. Do you two know anything about organized play? I do not know. Yeah, we're lacking. No, we're lacking. We only play with people we know. So. <laughs> <laughs> the best podcast went to Ain't Slayed Nobody, which I love that name, and Roll the Cast. I do know Roll the Cast, but I don't know Ain't Slayed Nobody, but I got to check that one out. I feel, I feel like an awful podcaster. I don't know any of these podcasts. Um, best production values? I think that's unfair. I don't like that one. I'm just like, who can throw the most money at this? But uh, Bard Song, Legend of yeah. the Ancient Forge, and Call of Cthulhu, the classic prop set. Obviously, that would be... Uh, a winner that's a very expensive prop set and it's physical clues yeah. so it makes sense i it's hard to award that one but i i think those two would be deserving the best rpg related product what does that mean yeah, <laughs> that's overarching, uh shadows of Esterin adelian cd uh that one is cool that's got sounds and stuff on there but <laughs> who buys cds anymore and cult labyrinths and secret chambers um best rules this is this is a divisive one rules are very subjective uh colossal um which we talked about on the show a long time ago a solo rpg adventure this is the one where you can befriend the very large creatures and not just have to murder them oh yeah this one yes um very deserving i think that's really cool i love the rules in that i don't often have time to play a solo rpg but if i did colossal would be the one i picked up first um, so I appreciate that. And Haunted West, I have not heard of one the silver. Do I've you two know that one? I've seen that on Twitter. I've seen that on Twitter. It's like a, I mean, it says in the name, it's like a Western. Yeah, like a weird West um, type setting. But I didn't really read into it. It's kind of expensive. Uh, I'm looking at the, the PDF hardback oh, combination, $85. Oh. That's yeah. rough. But it comes it's from 800, It's 800 pages. And oh, shit. Like, okay. It was um, on Twitter. It was who was it by? Well, it's, it's published by Darker Hue Studios. Yeah, it comes from Talosaurian. Um, you know the the stuff that I'm seeing here, the Uraburos system, that looks really interesting. So it's a D100 system. Think like Call of Cthulhu, but it's got degrees of success that are really like you get really into the minutia. So like if you hit a 98 instead of a 99, you're gonna have a different outcome. Um, and it's got some severe lists in there. That's kind of cool. I like oh. that. That you could play some I really like in-depth guys. gameplay for that, right? Yeah, for sure. It looks really cool. The price is a bit steep, but yeah. you can afford it. It looks. It but, looks like they really paid attention to like diversity, and they really paid attention to branching storytelling, which is two important things. Which it, no, they're it definitely, definitely yeah. yeah, they're definitely diverse, and they. Um, it's this one says haunted west reconstruction and imaginative alternate history so i think it's historically based yeah like definitely oh, it's supposed yeah. to be our old west right but but with yeah. crazy stuff happening how much of this book do you think is just tables of successes and failures 
I do not know. For 800 a pages, lot. though, right? Like, if, if so if we're if we're giving everything a percentage, even if you just do two, right? You have two percentages differences. That's still yeah. 50 options. That's, um, like, taking Gygaxian game design to a whole other level. Right. Like, he would have a field day with that, I think. I, I love that. I, I, I can't justify the price, obviously, but I'm going to hunt down one of my friends who buys a lot of books and say, hey, let's try Weird West hey, so he can buy it. <laughs> He's got disposable income and no kids, so I'm going to go, hey, uh, let's check out Weird West, buddy. Um, best setting. Uh, Colossal's mentioned on here as well, which is really cool. I thought that one, the artwork on that was really uh, was really novel, but also just like such a cool concept. I was really enjoying that one. But Jiangxi, Blood in the Banquet Jiangxi, Hall. Jiangxi, yeah, Game in a Curry. Yeah. Did we talk about this on the show? Um, I don't think we did. I don't remember talking about it, but I only know it because of Banana Chen and listening to the Asian Exactly. That's the only reason why I know it as well. Yeah. Uh, do you want to give the pitch for that one? Um, I don't really know the, I don't really know the game that much. You can pitch it. <laughs> I don't either. That's why I was putting it on you. No, um, no, I just I recognize it, which is why I've heard like, of it. Exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that I recognize something here. Uh, what I know about it is it's not offensive, and it was recommended. So, or at least less offensive. Does that make more sense? Because I don't, yeah. I haven't played it, yeah. so I can't, I can't be the one. But uh, created by Asian creators, uh, which is usually going to be uh, more of a, uh, hey, check this out, rather than people that look like me making Asian-inspired games, um, right. which is usually the issue. <laughs> How much is that one? That's what I want to know. Twenty-five dollars at the moment. See that? That's definitely that's doable. Um, yeah. And you have a full setting book there. Uh, it comes from Wedding Games. Um, Game and Curry, though um Taldoray, uh campaign setting reborn i've never heard of that uh oh, shark no, yeah, can you help yeah, me yeah. out what's Taldoray? am okay, i pronouncing that correct uh, no you're not <laughs> actually it's Taldore, terry yeah so what, i just, I just like put the emphasis on the wrong letter i, I feel like i Tal said Taldoray. no Taldore. No, you said Taldoray. <laughs> i'm not pausing on the apostrophe is what you're saying Taldoray. well that's what a yeah. comma is for so well, listen. You just need to listen to more Critical Role, and I think you need you need. How to could be I more listen Elden. to more of it? They're nine hours an episode. They're not nine hours an episode. Sorry, twelve hours an episode. What do you want me to do? That sounds about right. <laughs> you're a Dimension Twenty fanboy. Listen, you know I got to spread your horizons. I just listen. They're so concise. You know what I mean? Like I can I can watch a season in a week. And you can't watch an episode in a week of Critical Role. <laughs> No, that's true. I <laughs> it's it's true. I have to do, be doing something else in the background because they're so long. But if you can do it, recommend it. And I own this book. I own the campaign setting. Um, I pre-ordered it mm -hmm. as soon as it came out, and I own I own the original. So this is actually the second iteration of the campaign. I've setting. heard a really like a lot of really good things about the second um, iteration of it, and it's great. Uh, they they expand really great things. They have a bunch of new feats in there. Um, if you're a fan of Critical Role, I highly recommend it. They give you stats for um, Vox Machina, which is the new show that came out. Their first campaign they ever played. They actually give you like stat blocks for them and um, post credit like what they did in the ten years or so that's really cool if you're a fan of like it. the setting or like at least the show if you're, a fan, you know? if you're a fan of the show and you're a fan of vox machina it's like a must buy if you are okay iffy about the show it Taldori's is a great fantasy campaign setting in general and they've expanded it to not only do um 
just what they did in the original book, but they just, they flushed it out so much more. And I, I don't run a campaign in Tal'Dorei anymore, but I still flip through it for ideas because it's just such a amazing world. And uh, Matt Mercer's brought in more people and more diverse people to like make it better than he can and like hand it off the torch to a lot of people, which is a big thing to do for when you're making it. It's a smart thing to do. Like when I think about some of the yeah. talented, even just like GMs that he's brought in for all these other campaigns yeah. that are happening in that setting. Like obviously I'm a D20 stand, so I'm going to talk about that he brought in Brandon Lee Mulligan and Abrea Iyengard. But like how good it is and the stuff that he's allowed them to do is so cool. It's, it's really great. I do recommend that book a lot, but I'm also very biased, so I could be talking out my ass, but it also just won gold, so I can't be talking that much out my no, ass. No, and that's the thing. is like I'm not a gigantic fan of it, not because like I think it's bad by any means, um, yeah. but just like when it comes to like not – I don't watch a lot of Critical Role, so, but I've heard really good things about it, and I appreciate – some of the minutia they've put into the the world building like i always the joke is always like you don't need to figure out how the economy works but it's cool if you did yeah for sure i'll bring it over next time if please you please i definitely want to check it out um next up for best supplement call of cthulhu cults cthulhu one from chaosium again we've talked about call of cthulhu on here before this is really cool because it really expanded the mythos because when you think of cults of cthulhu you think oh it's the people that mm. worship cthulhu right but there's tons of different old gods in that setting um this one specifically gets into the yellow king um which they've had supplements for that but the minutiae of like these other groups and how they worship is really cool Mm-hmm. And then the root, uh, the RPG Travelers and Outsiders, just another um, expansion for that game, which is really neat. Um, best writing. Um, I'm going to jump off real quick because it's getting loud on my end, but uh, jump into that one, please. Okay, I got you. Uh, so best writing, um, gold went to Dune, Adventures in the Imperium Core Rulebook, and silver went to Fate Forge, Petrology. In- Petrology box set. Petrology, by- yeah. Petrology. I think that's right. Yeah, so I don't know any of these, unfortunately, but um, I now that they've won gold and silver, I'm interested in them. I've, I've never been, like, is Dune based on, like, Dune? Dune? Yes, yes, that's uh, Adventures in the Imperium is based on Dune, the, the novel Dune. Okay, so I've never read it, and I've never watched the movie. It's not really my jam, but maybe I check out Fate Forge. It's, it's an interesting setting. I, I like it. Um when it comes to like an rpg in that setting there's a lot of sand there's a lot of sand in dune um if you're going off like that one planet like arrakis but like there's other planets and there's other stuff going on in the system so you could do other things but it's really it's got that game of thrones vibe a lot of political machinations is what makes it interesting i don't know if playing like a specific player like like i have a pc in that world is interesting i do it more of like blades in the dark so i'm interested to check out dune adventures in the imperium the core rule book um the best writing though making a Banana core Chan. Yeah, exactly that's what i was gonna say i'm like th- like the writing on it i'm like well like listen there's got some serious talent behind this and making a rule book is hard like making a good rule book is even harder so yeah. like i i talked about earlier this year getting those really bad books from transformers and power rangers with an awesome system behind it and with some really talented people but the books were bad um you know we talked about dark souls coming out in that book having like misprints in it that ruined the game so if yeah. this one best writing i'm i'm excited for it even if dune isn't necessarily our cup of tea um yeah. and i know what it is but it came back full force with that movie like the amount of people oh, have been yeah, like hey do you want to play the dune 
board game? And I'm like, who the fuck? Like, do you want to play the Dune board game? Like, who's asking me? <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I do, but I didn't think anybody else would. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's exciting. I know nothing about Fate Forge. <laughs> but it's All another right. box set for 5e, so there's that. Yeah. Can you guys hear my kids yelling about more chicken nuggets in the background? No, I cannot. But can you hear the thunder and the, oh. <laughs> the rain that just came down on my end? <laughs> no, I can't. The way that you said it, it sounded like like they're, uh, like you were like introducing a WWE star. You're like, can you hear the thunder on my end? Can you hear the thunder <laughs> and the water that's coming down on my house? Um, it was one of the, I was really self conscious about like having recording stuff in the background because I used to record like I had a studio in my basement when I first started doing podcasting and like that's where yeah. I recorded. And then when the pandemic hit every podcast went recording from home and everybody had stuff going on in the background and i, I worked in corporate america so like everyone had like kids running around them and like very like important like calls with like vice presidents of companies and like yeah. i see their kid running back around i'm like i don't worry about it my kids are eating chicken nuggets <laughs> like they're, <laughs> they're gonna do lying. it need to know <laughs> exactly i apologize if it bothers you but it doesn't bother me so <laughs> yeah um uh, I guess the last category, product of the year, which is weird that this is the last one that ends on. Is it that different than accessory? Like, I guess it's kind of just I encompasses mean, both, but. I think, yeah, yeah I think I it's guess like it's a both. whole overarching, like, this product in its entirety. So not specifically like, oh, this adventure, oh, this um, accessory. It's just like overarching. Yeah, it's not the, looking at the parts of the book. Or yeah. yeah. It's not looking product. at the parts, it's looking the, at the whole the, thing. The whole, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but silver was Call of Cthulhu, um, the classic prop set, which we've mentioned several times, and the Thirsty Sword Lesbians book. Um, that one I, is definitely deserving. And again, the Call of Cthulhu classic gamer prop set. I think it's deserving. It is a good set. It's a lot of paper. So I want to like throw that out there, like a lot of newspapers and stuff, which is really hard to do. Not trying to disparage it just because it's like almost flat. doesn't mean anything. It can fit in a box. It makes sense. But for a hundred dollars, like all of that stuff, like uh, it's just a little bit hard to justify for most gamer groups. Um, so it's it's hard for me to recommend. Like you you price out half the people that are going to play that game. You know, uh, mm -hmm. I I think that the price should bring it down. I don't think it should have won silver. However, uh, being someone who's actually seen some of the props, they are really really good. So it's cool to see the people being recognized for it. It's just so costly like it, who else has this right like i can't imagine anybody else's gamer group that i know has that set no i couldn't either yeah yeah but people definitely put work in like it's worth the money if you can afford it when it comes like yeah. you look at like every article in that newspaper is something that somebody had to sit down and write and figure it out and it fits into the the mythos exactly. which is really neat yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it's a lot like uh have you ever done like the hunt a killer boxes no, but I've heard of them, and they look rad. Some of them are cool. Some of them are not. My main issue is when they would do a season of it, the the overarching thing didn't really connect each box. So, like, you'd solve oh. box one mystery, and then you get box two, and it was really almost unrelated. Um, yeah. And this one is not like that. The classic prop set, like, comes with a lot of really cool stuff that you can then as a GM tie more together if you wanted to and do a little bit more work with it. But not everybody has time to make an entire fake newspaper. Right. Like I do articles yeah. in mine. Like I've printed up like fake pictures and Photoshop people into them. Cause I'm insane. But this one does a lot of that stuff for you that you can use in your game in a lot of different ways. And it has some suggested stuff for mysteries where it's like, Hey, if you notice this person is in this picture and their name's mentioned in the newspaper. So 
it's cool. It's just that $100 price tag next to Thirsty Sword Lesbians. I'm like, well, one, everyone can afford to play, and one, almost no one can. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Uh, But anyways, uh, go buy it if you can afford it. It's worth it. The people behind it did some really cool work. Um, But that's about it for the Ennies. Do you two have anything else you want to mention on that aspect? Sorry we couldn't get through, like, each and every category and, like, each, you know, person nominated. I think I'm good because I don't know a lot of the people, unfortunately. So I don't have a whole heck of a lot to say. It's a good way to get versed in many different games. You have some of the best of the best on there when it comes to the awards. And because of all the different categories, if you're like, hey, I just want to find like a new supplement for the game I already play. You can go to the supplement section, check out those five you know, people that were nominated. Go see all those awesome games. Check your price tags. Check which system they're for. Yeah. It's a really cool, again, like the Oscars has a purpose, right? Um, yeah. So do the Ennies. Yeah. Do you have your heart out soon, Lissa? Like, are your parents on their way for dinner? They haven't said anything, so no. I'm still <laughs> <good to go. laughs> are you, are you in Finland happen. right now, or are they coming to visit you? Yeah, I'm in Finland. They're oh. coming from the summer house. Man, like, we just like, oh, g- globetrotting over there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but i'll put the link for the ennies in there let's jump into D one um, um i trust everybody has watched the one hour video and read the entire character origins uh unearth arcana mm. supplement for playtesting i know you've run a game with your created character in there and have gm'd a game with other people's um created characters yeah. in there right so we can all talk from the same levels <laughs> absolutely <laughs> not I watched the one-hour video, and I took four pages of notes. (laughs) That's really cool. Um, More than I expected. Obviously, I was kidding for most of those things. I have not done most of those things. I've read it, and I watched the video. I haven't played with anybody yet. Um, My buddy did create a character for me so I could check it out just to see what it was like seeing somebody build it. Um, And some interesting things. So before we jump into the negative, which I know we have... Maybe let's give a little bit of background and then talk about our positives first before we just tear it to shreds. Sure. Because that will come, I'm, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, I have. I think I have a little of both. I have For things sure. that I actually really, really like and things that I'm like, mm, no, no. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate it. Who asked for that? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> and I'm speaking specifically on the video, so I didn't unfortunately have a chance to read through. Well, we know you don't know how to read, Charza. That's okay. Like that was not an ex- expectation on my part. I just thought I'd put it there in case you did learn in the hour between when I sent it and when the podcast. Started. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> so I one of the good things that I have. Hold on, before you get into the good things, let's talk about exactly what we're talking about first. Oh, what we're talking about? Okay. So. so one- the exactly D D one or one D D. which one is it do you know one D D. one D okay one D because yeah it's because it's one D D, right so like we mentioned a little bit like we've been hearing rumors of 5.5 and some of them were, were confirmed last week when we recorded um but now it's full on they've announced what it's going to be what it's called one D D. they're doing away with additions and i promise they will do away with additions until there is money to be made off 6th edition, and then they will put it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so one D and D is what they're doing going forward. It's kind of a five point five with a lot of changes, similar to how three point five was for three E, where it's like it's a similar game system and kind of doing the same things, but you can use all the old stuff too. The big thing that they've put forward so far that we actually know is tying into D and D Beyond, which they purchased. Um, Wizards of the Coast, that is, and character creation and the new D20 for skill checks. Um, that's all we really know at this time. However, some designers um, that are unnamed have tweeted, not fully confirmed, that there might be some changes to the action economy as well, fitting Pathfinder, which makes sense because they've aped a lot of Pathfinder stuff for this new set so far. Um, and that, if you don't know, is instead of you have a move action and an attack action each turn, um and bonus actions and stuff from like fifth edition in pathfinder you have three moves what you do with those three moves could be you can move three times you can attack three times you can do something three times or you can mix and match closer to something like divinity original sin um which is really cool before we get too far just mentioning divinity original sin we know that larian is working on baldur's gate three yes we do why why would you well uh, the reason why i mentioned it is because the the big thing the the only stipulation similar to ari salvatore back in the day was they needed to make it fit fifth edition right is it does it going to take even longer now is that why it's taking so long because they're building it into one D &D? like what does that mean for that i don't i don't think so i think they're gonna keep doing it on fifth edition because they're still adding so much stuff in that it would be it would be too much to ask. Like maybe they got like a couple of things behind the scenes. Like, Hey, could you incorporate maybe this rule, this rule, this rule that we're thinking of doing that might even just fit better in a video game than it would at a table. And then maybe do it that way. It's just but... so hard to pivot in a video game. There's so many assets involved in so many different there teams. Are. I'm just, I was just realizing that as I said, the reason why I brought up, like, as I'm saying, it, I was like, Oh my God. Like we, like we just got bards a few months ago. Like, how are they going to change <laughs> how skill checks work? You know? <laughs> like... I know. But anyways, um, yeah, that's that's one D&D. Shar, you're up. What are your pauses yeah. for that? How scared are you for Larian Studios? I'm not that scared. I have a lot of faith in Larian, mostly oh. because I'm a huge fan. I have of far more faith in Larian than I do in Wizards. Oh, 100%. Like, I am so excited for the new Baldur's Gate. I still haven't bought it, even though I told myself if they... Do I'm it, you coward. I, they just put in bards like i'm literally one mental breakdown away from making a um, emotional purchase so next time i have a mental breakdown i will have alders actually so i know i just told you to do it coward <laughs> but i don't think your computer could run it it meets the minimum requirements but it doesn't need but because that. of all the bugs often you got to run it a, like a little bit stronger like i have a very very good pc and it still has trouble sometimes so yeah my computer can barely run um, Divinity. And there's so. random spikes that come along with glitches. So, like, sometimes, yeah. like, my ram will just, like, go full because <laughs> they didn't cap it for the game. So, because somebody <laughs> shot a fiery arrow at me, like, now my computer crashes. So, maybe yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. I know, but I want Bard so bad. I get a, get a really good job and then buy a new PC and then buy it and um, you can play as a Bard. Yeah, it's too much effort. All right, anyway. but anyways, your positives <laughs> on D and D one. I'm sorry. So I'll start with um, so the they talked a little bit about in the video about how the spell economy is going to probably be changing and how they're introducing three different spell lists mm -hmm. instead of like a list per like class who has spells. So instead of the wizard spell list or the cleric spell list or the bard spell list, they're going to do three spell lists that are titled Arcane, Divine, and Primal, 
which they kind of described as they've been hinting at that there are different types of like magical sources in their lore forever, but now they're actually making that part of the rules. And um, so arcane is you manipulate background magic in the entire multiverse and you pull from the multiverse at large. Divine magic obviously comes from the gods and you pull it from the outer planes. And primal magic comes from elements and spirits of nature and you actually pull that from the inner planes. And so when they introduce new character classes, you don't, like, I think they use the example of Artificer. You, they don't need to make a whole new spell list for Artificer. What they did with Artificer is like, oh, you pull spells from the wizard spell list. <laughs> they didn't really give the Artificer their own spell list because it's a lot of work. And they already had all the spells. So it's and it's a of... subclass. So they're like, oh, we don't care. As with edition has treated subclasses. Artificer is its own class now. Is it its own class now? Okay, I forgot that, oh, that yeah, was a change. Sure it's, yeah. its, it is, it's its own class, but yeah. they don't have their own spell list because they are kind of like they're half martial, half um, spells mm -hmm. and caster kind of. They're like a they're a mixed class. So like their spell list would probably be as big as like a paladin's. And I guess they just didn't want to do that, which is valid. But this one is kind of. They're going to have big master spell lists, and then when you pick your class, you're going to like, okay, you you as a bard have access to arcane and primal magic or whatever it's going to be. And it allows for those caveats, too. Like, we've done that in our yeah. game, right? Like, like you're technically a warlock, but we've given you access to other spells because, you know, cool, right? Like, and yeah, because, because of theme like really and cool. story. Yeah. yeah, and I really like it because I like this way of thinking about it because, and I like how they describe they're giving lore rules teeth like yes. they're giving lore like meaning in the game and i'm like well you know mm -hmm. that's speaking my language they're speaking yeah. my, i love lore so i really i really liked that addition a lot and i also like what they're i okay i don't want to say i 100 percent love it because i haven't play tested it yet but i like the direction they're going with feats i was gonna say I, I love that too coming from 3.5 that. that's so cool but there's all but there's also something I don't like about them. One specific example that they gave that I'll talk about when we're talking about what we don't like. Okay. But as for what I do like about them, I really like how they um, are going to be separated by level. So when you pick a feat, you're not like overwhelmed by choices. And I like how some of them level up with you. So when you're a level one character, I think everybody gets a feat from the offset, which mm -hmm. is a rule that already exists for variant humans because humans don't really get a whole heck of a lot of the race. I don't know if you've ever played a human. They're kind of garbage. <laughs> but they're beefing up humans a lot in this edition, which I love. Um, and the feats go along with that. And speaking of beefing up humans, they're doing a lot of shit with inspiration. Like gm inspiration where mm -hmm. you give advantage to stuff they're making and it more viable because it's always been that. like you can't before with fifth edition you can't you can't bank inspiration so like yeah, players weren't you using it you know and yeah and you can't do it now but now they're putting it into the rules that you can't bank inspiration but you can if you get double inspiration you can give that to somebody else. Like yeah, you can, you can pass it around the table. Like oh, because because before it was nice. like, did you make the GM laugh? Cool, you get inspiration, but you didn't get anything exactly. for making the bard laugh really hard. Exactly, and um, they're also changing it. Or again, this is all this is all proposition stuff. This is playtest material. But like, yeah, every it's not. We, we say it like it's fact right now. This all could be yeah, gone, right? So every time you roll a natural twenty, you get inspiration yes. to what they say. Um, quote, bolster an incredible success. 
So if you get a nat 20, you get the equivalent of DM inspiration. And then if you already have that, you could be like, I want to give my nat 20 ball rolling to the cleric. I love it. It's building that momentum, right? I really Mm. like that. And then they also have a feature for humans. Whenever a human finishes a long rest, they get inspiration just because they're a human. And then if they already have inspiration, like if you play multiple games a day, they can give inspiration to like the whole party. And I'm like, that is... That might be a bit broken, but I like I like the gusto. Yeah, it's a bit strong, like, but you got to remember the inspiration doesn't. It's not like you gave somebody else a nat twenty, right? You gave them advantage on a roll. Yes, you just give yeah. them advantage exactly. And, and then, I think sometimes the book before, like with the whole you can't bang inspiration, but there was no other ways to gain inspiration. They treated it like it was so powerful. And yes, a d twenty. Yeah. We're talking about like actually mathematical. It's like you have a five percent chance to roll something on the die, so that's pretty high. But Yes. How often do you get advantage on something and still roll two ones, right? It happens. It's a one in 400 chance, but 400 is not that high. You've obviously not seen me play my Exactly. Game. That's my point. Like, I've seen it at the table tons oh. of times where, like, instead of me giving you something cooler for a moment, I go, okay, you get advantage. Everyone's hyped, and then you roll a seven. And it's like, well, yeah. crap. It sucks. Yeah. No, I had that happen last time I um, played D&D where I just, I legitimately did not roll over a 10. Just the <laughs> entire game. And I even got advantage at some points. But I still didn't. And it was so, it's so heartbreaking sometimes. But I appreciate being built into the rules that at least the rules are not working against you. They're trying to help you. Yeah. And especially on those nights when you're not rolling as good. And having, Um, like, the players be able to pass that around, like, like share that. It's one of the cool things about, like, uh, Bardic Inspiration, right? That's one of the coolest things you can do at your table. And now everybody has a chance to do that. Yeah, that's one of my that's one of my negatives that I'll talk about. Later. <laughs> I'll, talk, I'll, I'll talk about two more. If they, I have two more things I'll go over quickly that I like. Okay. Because I took notes. So uh, one of them is I like where they're doing. Um, they did it in Tasha's where your plus two or plus one isn't connected to your race anymore. Instead, mm-hmm. it's connected to your background. So your training in your backstory, that's where you get to allocate your points. And the default is you can choose wherever you want to do that. You could choose your own background. You can make your own. That's the default option choice. But then they're also going to have other options, like pre-made options that come with feats that are already picked out for you and where your ability scores go. Which is cool for people who want to roll on a table to build a character real fast or new players who have a hard time picking from too many options. I like that they still left something. But instead of like 5th edition where it's like, pick a background. Or I guess you could make your own. Like they start with, hey, make your own. They start with the creativity. And then if you don't want the creativity or you just want to make like a really quick pre-made character, you have that option. But tying the stat to it is a really cool choice because again, going back to 3.5, one of the reasons why I liked it, mechanically it has issues, but it felt like I could make any character I wanted. I I had the freedom of it. And 5th edition definitely took a little bit of that away for for reasons. I'm not saying it was like arbitrary but with this implementation at least your background's like i could build an old guy who's level one because he hasn't adventured much but he's extremely smart because he's old like he's done some shit he has some wisdom so you could add that stat there and still have him be level one exactly and then the last thing i really like that they they talked a little bit about it um they're talking about um legacies instead of like i think um sub races Mm mm-hmm which I think is lifted from what I understand from Pathfinder. 100% stolen from Pathfinder. <laughs> which is fine. Pathfinder no, is still in the stuff. Like, take it. Like, no, no, take from any off. game. If you put all my favorite yeah. things from a game, I'd buy that game. Like, instead, yeah, like, I just would. I don't care. I really like it. And they gave the example of teethlings, teethlings, and they can be either Infernal, Abyssal, or something called Chthonic. 
And each one is going to give you like probably a cantrip to start and a different kind of resistance. And each type of tiefling is from a different plane. So one of them could be from lawful evil planes, one neutral evil, one chaotic evil. And then you don't, obviously you don't have to ascribe to any of those things in your character. It's just about your legacy. It's your lineage. Like that's where you're from. And it's, I like that a lot better than like sub races, I think just as a term. Mm -hmm. And I like where they're going of just fleshing out a bunch. Cause I think elves are probably the most fleshed out race when it comes to like legacy stuff, because they've just been around for forever. So I like that they're giving that treatment to other races as well. And that's the last good thing I have to say. All the rest are criticism. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate <laughs> all of those two. Um, and I, I like all of the ideas there. I like the new, the new race that they added to those kind of like the reverse of tieflings. Um, yeah, I saw the same that. Thing. Mm -hmm. But like dragons have been like for so long. Like if you're a dragonborn, it's like you can pick your breath weapons. You can add that extra theme. If you're human, you're human. Like that's the end of it. Exactly. If you're a tiefling, we've come up with some that have made its way in there. Like what, why are you tiefling? Is it purely genetic? Is it an infernal pact mm -hmm. in your bloodline? Is it Royal? Like they had a couple options, but it was still pretty limited. Adding that yeah. aspect to it, I think really goes a long way. And I want to see that for more of the races. Um, uh, Lissa, do you have any positives from what you've seen? I know you said you didn't have as much chance to go over it, but. Um, so based on what I did watch, which I started watching it, and then I got sidetracked doing some other kind of stuff. And, <laughs> How dare you? You know. Valid. Um, what I do love is that they are going back to the things that people love the most. So that's, you know, the feats, that's incorporating law, um, lore, not law, lore, and kind of like embracing what what people love about their characters and making it work and expanding upon it which i i love that like as a person who always plays like my games for like the content and stuff and like making the character more believable making them more interesting making them more you so i love that part of it and they're really like making like even their marketing is asking you is what is it you want as a player and like telling you you can make a difference and then putting the players in the forefront of the game and also you know the play testing and everything and they want the feedback so i love that part of everything that they're doing which is very smart move yeah and um, in, i don't like a lot of stuff that watsky does just like it's a big corporation i'm never gonna like everything but They've always been really good about the playtesting as long as I've been playing. Like, I've been mm -hmm. playing since Advanced D&D, &D, and they've playtested 3.0, they playtested 3.5, they playtested 4, and the biggest one was when I got that playtest for D&D &D Next, which became 5th edition. And they took a lot of what we said as a community into account and to like what they were trying to do specifically which was getting new players and they basically asked us how do we do that what mechanics do you think is best and they use those mechanics um so yeah. i when people go well they're not going to use anything we say you're wrong they will um yeah. it's important to, to play test it and do it and i know it's like we're giving them free stuff in which we are we're working for free something when you do playtesting but if you want to keep playing D D and you want it to reflect what you like about it give your feedback on it after playing but continue Alyssa. i'm sorry also do i mean i'm i do love the fact that they're trying to incorporate new technology to improve the playing experience and i feel like technology has a capability of 
being more accessible and bringing like a different kind of playing experience for some people mm -hmm. um which i love that and i think it also keeps it fresh because it's it's like it's bringing it's reinvigorating D D while it's like at its i wouldn't call it hype or it's like peak or whatever but while it's in a very good position it's reinvigorating it with something new yeah it's smart and to do it at its height i know a lot of yeah. people are like why change it at all i'm like well this is the time to change it if any because yeah because now they have all of this publicity and they have all of these eyes on them and people who are playing this content and who love the content that now if you do it and you do it well it's gonna be great and it's gonna do really well and it's gonna like just boom and become this massive bigger thing um yeah that's <laughs> where that's that yeah that those those are your thoughts <laughs> hashtag yeah. liz's thoughts hashtag uh, liz's thoughts <laughs> but like i i agree on almost all the positives that you two have said uh the only ones that i don't agree with are the ones that i've forgotten um <laughs> but i i think i agree with everything that you two are saying um the other positives i like i like that they're adding more of the customization when it comes to the half races i have issues with it too that we'll get into but i like that they're going mm -hmm. hey you can be a half-orc, half-elf. You can be whatever, half-this. Um, I like that they're bringing back orcs into the front. I, I Often, when it comes to those uh, the quote-unquote evil races, part of the reason why, even when they started to change the imagery of that, where it's like, oh, the, the orcs aren't just evil anymore, well, then why aren't they in the player's handbook? Um, it, it, it was easy to other them and make them some sort of uh, negative stereotype. So having them in the player's handbook is really cool. Um, they plan on doing that when it comes to the half races. It's neat that you're going to be able to mix and match. I like all the positives that Char mentioned. I actually like the skill, um, change where if you roll a D 20 on a skill check, which everyone has done forever. I don't care who you are. If oh, you weren't yeah. doing it, you were wrong. If you roll a D 20, the player does something cool. Um, sure. That comes with the caveat. Like if they're looking for the secret door and they roll a 20 and they're like, we found the secret door. Right. And you go, no, there was no secret door. That's a wall. You nincompoop. Um, <laughs> that's, that still is at my table. If there's no door, there's no door, but maybe something cool can yeah. happen. If you roll a 20, you reward it. It's fun. The players like it, do it. And a lot of people have, have, are having trouble with now going the other way, too. If you roll a one, you fail no matter what, which has always been a thing when it comes to attacks, but now it applies to skill checks, which I've also always done. It doesn't matter okay. if you are um, a level 20 rogue and you roll a one on your lockpick. What are the circumstances of the world that failed that lockpick for you? Maybe it wasn't your skill. Maybe it wasn't the lock. Maybe a bird swept down and took your lockpicks, you know, like... Something yeah. interesting can happen. But also, if it's a problem that the player fails that, if, like, that doesn't feel fair, that's not fun, don't make them roll. Yeah. And that's the issue I've seen with so many people. They're like, oh, so Usain Bolt is going to lose in a foot race to my infant child because he rolled a run. It's like, or don't make him roll. Usain Bolt I wins just, the race. I just saw that. So I watched this video by Ginny D. Um, mutual on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Slight plug here. And she, she made a whole video about this because I've been struggling as a DM and as a player sometimes where I play a fighter and I roll a nat one to punch something. And like that's the one of the only things my fighter can do is fight because that's the way fighters are built. It's one of their weaknesses. They don't have a lot of skills outside of the game or outside of um, combat. Apologies. 
So I try to make up for it in other ways, but then obviously the DM makes me roll, which they have every right to do, but then I always fail that because my scores are all in combat, right? Mm -hmm. So it sucks sometimes to like be like, well, I don't even want to roll because I'm probably going to fail this. So I'm trying to like work that into my DMing now. It's just like, I don't want the player to roll and fail because their class means they should probably succeed on this thing. Yeah. So it's it's giving a little bit more of like um just think more critically about when you want your players to roll like if it's a situation like super high stakes obviously any expert can fail with like very high stakes but if you want to punch if you are a monk or you are a fighter and you want to punch somebody in the face don't roll you can punch them in the face like you're not gonna miss if you're taking your time and winding up your shot and doing that so it's just it's i think this being put into the rules like the nat one and the nat 20 it it gives the dm more critical thought of like well when do i make my players roll for things like what about their class and what about their skills is going to you know contribute to this and if you think they're just automatically going to be able to do it just let them do it i was i was just arguing this this morning with uh one of the rules lawyers at our table our buddy john um i love him he's always correct when it comes to the math he was like well just the five percent chance of like usain bolt failing the race right like i don't like that and i and i as as raw right as rules is written but that only matters if you're sitting down you're playing at one of those tables where that's an issue me personally not to toot my own horn as a gm i would not make you roll that I would like it would be and if you did if we did agree that you should roll it and the failure I would make that failure interesting. It wouldn't yeah. be oh you tripped and so the baby won. Like like you have to make it interesting for it. That's the role of the GM. A lot of these rules I see these people getting mad about it's because either A you don't have a good GM, B you don't trust your GM or C as a GM you're not putting in that work to do to make that I... game interesting. I would say that this is where like the passive like stuff comes in because there is you have like passive perception so passive wisdom and passive mm-hmm. like strength so I would just mm-hmm. like it and it's not even based on I wouldn't say even that it's based on their class that you would like give them a performance because what if you like I'm playing um, a bard that has who's not good at performance <laughs> like she she does not perform at all so like it's not it's not even based on my like class anymore it's based on that specific character and you can cater it to that specific character because they are a tabaxi and they are you know so keen they have that passive like agility they have that passive and even if it's not like i mean in the case of the tabaxi it's built into the actual um game mechanics but if you have something that's not built into the game mechanics like your fighter like they have that passive strength so up to a certain point it's, you know, I mean, I guess you could game mechanically do eight plus your strength modifier and then see how far that gets you. Or just say, you know, like you, I, I mean, in the case of like somebody punching somebody, there's always a, if somebody like maybe the other person like dodges. So it's not always because you fail. It's yeah. because they succeeded. Yeah, but like it- if you're punching a door to break it down, like, or, or I don't know, maybe that's not the case. But, like, in certain situations... Where the like, strength would apply. It, yeah, where the yeah. strength would apply. And it's just, like, a no... Kind of, like, a no-brainer situation no-brainer. that, obviously, mm-hmm. this would happen. 
then it's just their passive strength, maybe, that could get them yeah. through that, that you don't have to roll time. for. Right. It's the yeah. thing right. that we talk about a lot I at agree. our table, where it's like, I don't make them roll to open the door, you know? Like, that's not a thing. Yeah. You all yeah. should be able to open doors. It's not necessary. And it's funny that like, I was arguing with, the, with our rules lawyer about it, and he's a good GM as well. And when he when I play my rogue at his table, he doesn't make me roll the lock picks any or pick locks anymore because I'm level twenty. Like <laughs> my level twenty rogue will pick that lock. I have yeah, magical like, lock picks, and my skill is like at thirty. And... <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so like it's just it's yeah. not fun for us to roll that anymore. So like we yeah. don't. And it's, I think a lot of it comes down to the fear of playing at a table where somebody won't do a good job with that rule. And in, in my experience, don't play with those people. Like if you're playing with people that are making the game not fun for you, don't play with them. And if, if it's not fun for you for seeing other people ex like succeed or possibility of, of failing, play a different game. Like that's that that's the portion of it. Rules lawyers and people who want to see it played exactly rules as written are completely valid in their criticisms, but I think they miss a large aspect of what the game is, and that's what you make it. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I mean, uh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. It, go ahead. It, I mean, rules lawyers can play together, and then they can <laughs> you know, they can they can try to figure it out together. Like it's it's not bad if you're a rules lawyer. It's no. not bad if you have a different play style. It's not. Like, just find other people who play in your style. So it's like a hit and miss. So you try different groups until you find the one that fits. And yeah. then you stick with that. That's why I always think it's funny, like, whenever I argue with our rules lawyer, because he does enjoy my GM style, and he has a similar style when he plays. But it's just he can't turn off that analytical part of his brain going, I don't like the spread of those dice. I'm like, well, but it was fun when we played. So... Which is yeah. always, like, what it comes down to. So I'm like, are you mad at this in, in concept, or are you mad at this in, in practice? But uh, um, but anyways, so let's move on to the part that everyone's been waiting on. What do we hate about all of this stuff? Um, um, I, I'm going to list, like, I, I'm sure I'm going to hate all the same things that you two are going to hate, so I'm just going to list mine first, um, just one of them, and that's, I don't like that they're still using the word race. This was an opportunity to change it to like species or something that would make sense why you would have inherent benefits. And they still chose race. And I am so surprised and I am disappointed. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really missed opportunity and something very easy to do. And they chose not to, which is real dumb. Um, and then the next thing is the other portion of those half um uh breeds and that's because of the whole race thing being thrown in there that you still get some benefits and you get to pick one but not the other um it's a yeah. dangerous game you either get really specific and put everything in there and these are the parts you get or you give all of it to the players and they're giving more of it to the players which i think is good but i don't think they're doing enough for that aspect and i think that's going to lead to some less experienced tables making some offensive characters basically um, so it's more just nervousness. I, I don't necessarily know it's going to be negative, but I know it could be a negative. So that part worries me a little bit. Um, I think that they're changing a lot more that are going to make a lot of the prior books invalid, which I think that this should be a new version. So as a whole, looking at some of this, I go, ah, I don't know if that's such a good idea, uh, the way that they're, they're throwing it out there. And the fact that they didn't put the entire playtest all at once, like what they did with D and D next, so, like, they just put out character creation. So, we're just going to tear apart character creation for a while, which maybe this is on purpose, but without seeing it in the greater context of the rest of the game, I think is going to 
have some bad takes and some incorrect takes because there's going to be some stuff I hate right now that when the rest of the playtest rules come out, I go, oh, that makes sense, actually. Um, yeah. So, like, yeah. the system as a whole, I kind of have an issue of. Um, but I'd love to hear from you, too. Shar, what do you what do you hate about this? Um, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. The, I don't really... I think the, the half-racist stuff... I've seen a lot of discourse on Twitter from... Um, people who are way more educated on the topic than I am. So I don't want to speak too much on it, mm -hmm. but I remember when I heard about it in the video, the fact that they, you choose like both, you could choose both of your parents for how you look, but you only get to choose one of them for bingo treat, is very odd and a very weird mechanical choice because at the end of the day, this is a game. These are game mechanics and mechanizing anything like race is going to come with a lot of baggage so I agree in that I think it should be way more open. They shouldn't use a word like race. I don't know about species either because that kind of maybe even puts it further away. And I don't know. It's very scientific. And I'm not yeah, but like, but here's the thing is like race is a social construct, in, in, at least on Earth, yeah. right? Race is a social construct. People that look like me are not different than people that don't look like me. We're all humans, right? Because we're a species. Yeah. But when you combine a liger, right? Like it gets the traits of a lion and the traits of a tiger. It's because those are species, right? There's no inherent uh, cultural value to that. And I know that there's more complicated nuance to it. But just using the word race creates a negative connotation yeah exactly so and you're I'm, right maybe species is the wrong word still but i don't yeah i don't think species is the right word i don't think race is the right word why not I make a new word way. for it right yeah, this make, is fantasy make a new word yeah make a new word for it use legacy or something yes! other things or like yeah or lineage or something i think is what pathfinder uses use something like that there's nothing wrong with that um but I don't want to get too far into it because there are a lot more educated people on the Yeah, topic. there's better takes uh, than what we have, but that's... Way better yeah. takes. I, I, I'll stay in my lane. But there's <laughs> something that I do have a rant about. <laughs> Go ahead. And it's so niche and it's stupid. It's Bards. And I it is Bards. When I read that part, I was like, oh, Charlotte's going to have some Ooh. thoughts on this. Okay, listen. So this is specifically um, in the video. They talk about this all their new feats which I, as a whole, am very excited for how they're doing feats. Yeah. But they featured a feat called Musician, right? <laughs> and as, as, as soon as I said that, I'm like, oh, okay, so they're going to give people proficiency, like going to give them an option to be like really proficient with musical instruments because not it's not just bards who play musical instruments. Totally. I get that. But then they give them the option to, whenever you finish on a short or long rest, you can give inspiration to a certain number of people who hear you play a song or instrument, which is a bardic ability. That is a bardic ability. If you want that ability, play a bard. But now what other people can be amused, you know? Like, I, I, was, I, I was John Safdie's muse on Uncut Joms, you know what I mean? Uncut Joms. I, okay, so I understand what they're doing because they say it scales. You could do it a number for your proficiency bonus. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely still more effective if you're bardic, you know? Yeah, it's not bardic inspiration. It is DM inspiration where you give advantage to people. And they they said that their reasoning for this was to fill a gap in the previous feat list and then also make it useful for bard. They're going to try to do the same thing with the healing feat. Yeah, you could double down and have a bard with that feat, but you could still be yeah. a barbarian who's good at the glockenspiel. 
Yeah, right? and I just I don't know how I feel about it because giving musical proficiencies totally like bards are not the only ones who are good at instruments, but making it this powerful and like being able to do that when bards have a feature literally called Song of Rest, mm -hmm. where during a short rest you can give um you can use one of your bardic inspirations that you haven't used yet, like one of your dice, so either a D six to a D. 12 i think it goes up to maybe it's a d4 at lower levels i i haven't played a low level bard in a while i get but... what you're saying though right like it it's it's a little bit of column a and column b right like i agree like i am excited as someone who doesn't play a lot of bards i have in the past but like uh, being able to play somebody else who gives inspiration as a writer i'm sure I... you know too like i've gotten some weird inspiration from places yeah but like i think because they're already building inspiration in so many other parts of the game you feel like it takes this, a little bit away from the novelness takes, of the bard well, it, it takes away from bards because inspiration is part of what makes a bard a bard and i know bardic inspiration is different than dm inspiration but it just like i've always pitched bards and anybody who's ever heard me rant about them is just what makes a bard special is they take music or art or whatever you're like focuses mm -hmm. you take something beautiful and you make it into magic right like, that's how i interpret but, but this magic. isn't giving that magic ability you know it's not giving you a plus one to perception checks or something when it comes no, to it's just saying it's, that your character is inspired still, by that moment i use a different word because <laughs> you, if they want to do this i you need inspiration is such a like it, it is a bardic thing it's part of what, the backbone of the class it's like giving anybody the ability to rage for a barbarian but like, i i agree with that too is, i think that you should be able to take rage as a spell you know i think rage I should be like but that's well, i've seen things rage point, before you know like well, is, what's the point of playing like a barbarian versus a bard versus a cleric like that's your main if, theme if you but like way. i don't think that thieves tools should only be able to be carried by thieves in a game no either. but those are tools tools are different like but, but no one gets mad no one gets rageful no one can punch a thing stronger because they're no. mad i think lots of people can <laughs> and to make that mechanically available to everybody i think is fair making other spells that build into it and can complement it and build it as a full okay. class so if 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 D D one does with rage what they're doing with bardic inspiration even though it's not technically bardic inspiration mm -hmm. but i mean rhetorically yeah. also it sounds like that's what they're doing musical inspiration like musical inspiration which is a bardic feature full stop if they do that with bards they have to do that with every other class they have to they have to give they have to make rage a feat they have to make um uh uh I think rage should be a mechanic. I, having it tied to a class that goes, okay, they can always rage. That's what a barbarian can be, right? But um, the, for example, of our game, there was a there was a moment a couple of weeks ago where one of our players, something really bad happened to you. You were a lover of one of our other players at the table, so they went into a rage, and they took a level of barbarian into it. But if that wasn't the case, I still would have let them rage. And just use the yeah. mechanics of a level one barbarian or whatever whenever they get rage. Because yeah. that was such and a cool I, moment. I think the same was. thing should be applied to play, being able to play music. Like, a person yeah, isn't... I'm not only inspired by John Mayer. Uh, it's probably a bad example because I'm never inspired by John no. Mayer. But that's just the first person that came to, like, what, like, the douchey muse bard would be. Um, but, like, I've been inspired by music. I've been inspired by music I don't think is particularly good. Oh, no. I can't hear anybody. Please hold. 
Please hold. Lissa, we lost Please her hold. forever. It's popcorn in the background while I listen to you fight. <laughs> no, it's not fight, though. I mean, like, it's good to argue. And, like, I'm glad that me and Char don't agree on this because it gives interesting context instead of just I mean, us going. I it does, yeah. We all hate the same thing. It's like when me and you were arguing about those books that one time. Like, <laughs> some people really like that conversation because we I didn't know. have the same stance, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Like, I had gotten some really good comments on that one because it's boring if we were all just like, nah, we all hate it next next Wait, category where, where, <laughs> where are we getting these comments from um i get some of them through like the reviews that we only have a few of them and then some emails and then uh through our ah uh, okay cool 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 <laughs> cool 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 uh, <laughs> um but like you know no one wants to hear no discourse no one wants to hear me and Charlie agree for an hour and a half i mean no no yeah but I also don't think we're is... saying two different... Like, it's not like we're wholly antithetical to the entire game where I'm like, I don't think the game should have D20s. And Char's like, no, it should. You know what I mean? No, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just one aspect I mean, of the game. It's the gray zone, the technicalities of how it works together. Just small exactly. bits and pieces. And yeah. my aspect always, like... And I think I'm more open to mechanical change because as a GM, I'm really freeform anyways. And whatever yeah. works best at my table is what I'm going to do. And I change a I lot mean, of stuff. I can see where Chardet is coming from because I can see that um, as somebody who does like writing and lore, mm -hmm. she is coming from the perspective of distinguishing characters from themselves instead of mixing and sort of like what, like distinguishing the thing that makes them pop out of everything else. So not everything, not every class is the same. And because she is specific about her thing with bards, like, this is the one thing she thinks that makes them different from every other class. And mm -hmm. if you give that thing away, then what's the point of her having a bard? Because the thing that makes them special is now, you know, the cleric has it, the monk has it, you know, the paladins playing a guitar over there giving inspiration. Right. So it's it's like making taking the thing that she likes about bards that makes them special away and giving it to other players while you know every character can play a guitar and you know play it maybe even well because my monk played the I got a nat twenty for a play musical <laughs> instrument for the first time just random a random musical instrument mind you and and the GM was just like and Charday got pissed off that her bard who uh doesn't play that well um yeah played worse than my monk who got an at 20 right and so i like, completely understand that like the invalidation yeah. of the specialty of the classes can really upset the balance of the game and, and when it comes to that my argument is that we're not playing an mmo right we're not playing warcraft yeah. um the big difference between D and D and games like that is nuance right like i'm not mm -hmm. just playing a barbarian i'm playing a character my barbarian has a name you know, it's Jeffrey, and Jeffrey isn't just rageful. Jeffrey also plays the guitar. And, yeah. and having a rogue, we'll call him Steven. Steven does rage sometimes. And having mechanics in there more available, I get. And again, like, to me, D&D's always been more about playing a story than it is about playing a game. So I think that's sometimes where I come from that angle. Yeah. Um, because I mean, if I, I wanted guess... to play a game, I think I probably mm. would play an MMO. Where, like, I'm the healer, I heal. If mm -hmm. you heal, yeah. what's the point of me healing? Um, I mean, yeah, I do understand that, but it's also it's 
it's like calling it it's the rhetoric first of all it's the rhetoric i'm sure Jake's gonna be so proud that i'm talking about rhetoric, rhetoric? yeah i know it's, it's <laughs> the rhetoric of like if your character gets angry and they are not a barbarian do you call it rage or can we give it another name right and that's what she was saying and, so like don't call how, it inspiration right yeah and how um how the game mechanic works is because bar- barbarians have you know it's or if we decide or if they decide rather that rage is specifically for barbarians then they get like a special boon from the rage which they do but then if we have somebody another character who gets like super angry and they call it i don't know like anger just call it anger Fury. Fury, yeah, Fury is good too. But like, I think yeah. that's the difference between like we're talking about and bark then, inspiration, then we have normal yeah. inspiration. We could have barbarian yeah. rage versus normal rage. You versus know, normal rage, and then like distinguishing. Okay, how if you're like a rage of a barbarian, how does that compare to the feat? Should it be less because it's not like your full class? It's just like a like it's it's a difference between the the game mechanics and. And I agree there, and I, I think this does distinguish it enough because we already have a mix of the nomenclature already, right? We already have bardic inspiration, and then they used inspiration for this the natural advantage from a DM. Um, so I think that there already is a clarification there, but I do understand yeah. the want of it being just even more differentiated. I like I like Rage and Fury, and you know what? I'm probably gonna steal it. I would just I've already <laughs> like I already made up a spell that is Rage, but I'm gonna call, call it I'm just gonna steal it from you and call it Fury from now on. You have to call Alyssa's Fury now. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. I might do that. Um, you're going to be a spellcaster in my world now, Alyssa, and you created the spell yep. Fury. Um, but yeah, I I agree. So going going past that, what's another thing that you hate, uh, uh, Char? Past the, the Bardic Rage? Well, I mean, that was part the big part of it <laughs> and i respect your opinion but i, I respect mine more <laughs> um, <laughs> which is helpful did you hear what me and Lissa were talking about did you did you hear i heard a little i came in around the time Lissa said rhetoric and i'm so proud of it yeah it was good and again i think it's subjective i don't think you're right and i'm I wrong just have or one vice more versa th- I mean, I am correct and you are wrong. That's not how opinions work, especially (laughs) in games, but that's okay. Um, I can be an adult and go, you're wrong and be okay with it. That's fine. I have one more thing that I highlighted I just didn't like. Um, Crits for monsters. Yeah, going away, huh? Um, Yeah, so I don't like that. this This isn't like... Okay, I hear your tone. Listen, <laughs> this is not, it's. I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah, it's, so uh, it's not, not so negative. Like it. this is awful. That's why I didn't list it first yeah. in mine. But I, I know yeah. something about it. Like, but we also we are. You know, it's funny that we disagree on that mechanical thing because I think we agree on a lot of the other rule of cool stuff rather. Yeah, and that's like if the if the monster crits, that's just an interesting point of storytelling, right? Like, it sucks for the player yeah. to a certain extent, but it makes an interesting moment. Like, we always talk about when you died in my game, you were upset as a character, but you appreciate the story that it created. So, yeah, for sure. 100%. I, I'm, I'm of two worlds on it, too. I, I like that they could crit because it made monsters feel dangerous sometimes, but I can understand where that would be frustrating. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how to feel about it currently. So... 
I I understand where they're coming from in that I feel like crits are so much more powerful in the players' hands. Word. I think. Yeah. Um, Having them just work differently I, is what my solution was what I would have done. Like, I usually yeah. do a set number instead of, the, like, the re-roll, you know, aspect and of it. But I understand um, their reasoning also because they say monsters already have a built-in crit-like mechanic, which is, like, the recharge weapons that a lot of big monsters have. But not every monster Not every has. monster has that. You know, like, a zombie and doesn't have a recharge weapon. They can do their bite yeah. every turn if they want to. Yeah, um, So and then DMs can choose when to – like, they can roll a recharge, but they can – you can choose when to use that breath weapon, breath weapon, or to use that spell. Mm-hmm. And then they also, again, I understand their reasoning. They also said a reasoning was if you crit on a level one party member, you're going to kill them. They kill them. Full stop. But then... you are going to kill them. And then some people love that danger. Some people are like, yeah, kill my level one character. I don't care about them yet. Other people get really attached to their characters really quickly, and it could be heartbreaking. And I understand why a lot of, I mean, I'm always trepidatious of killing my players at any level because I don't want to like stack the things too far against them. I want them to have like an equal chance of like, I want the stakes to be high, but I'm not out to kill them. But I think that's another rules as written type, like GM mentality. Like I just wouldn't kill them with a crit at level one, unless it was interesting, you know? Like Yeah, exactly. I have faith in my players to do an interesting thing and they have faith in me, at least as far as we've gone so far. Like, like, it's interesting. I have a player here. You can tell me like, actually, I don't trust you. Um, But like, you can trust that if a monster's going to crit, it's an interesting point that if it's going to kill you, like I, I wouldn't have let that werewolf murder you with a crit, which they did if it wasn't interesting because other monsters have crit you guys and i didn't go actually you took 45 damage and you're dead yeah i was just like oh and yeah like, i missed or whatever it's all, it's all up to the dm gm and that's always been in the books in general so you can throw out any of these rules whenever you want yeah. even if they become you know rules and then they have one more point for again why i understand why they're doing it higher level crits can feel less satisfying because the more levels that a party gets the more like godlike they get and Word. they get really difficult to like the stakes are really difficult to raise when people are higher level they have, especially if you have spellcasters like jesus christ like they are <laughs> gods at level 15 there is a reason lissa that i capped our last campaign at 15 i'm like you guys are already too powerful i don't know if I'm equipped as a GM. Bring back having to roll for most spells because uh, let me tell you, have you ever seen a wizard fail at level 15? You know what I mean? Like that fireball's going to kill him. (laughs) Exactly. And like I, they also took away, that's another kind of thing I'm not so sure about yet. They took away crits for spells. Yeah. So it's only, the only thing that crits now are uh, melee attacks and unarmed strikes. And skill checks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously. And now, yeah, yeah. But I mean like crit, like double the damage dice. Yeah, I, I get why balance wise because they're yeah. you know listen if, if you're gonna go why rules is written everyone should be a wizard you know that's just how it goes yeah but if you're again if you're playing with a, with a good gm and a good group it's interesting when that like what does that fire spell do when it crits that's cool that's a cool thing and you're just it is very to me cool, you're limiting yeah. the cool factor a little bit when you're taking away that possibility you I'm just—I'm not going to use that. You can still crit on on spell attacks in my game. I'm just just going to use that. Yeah, which is but the it, thing it's very—it's—it's right? it's clearly like there aren't a lot of spells that arrange spell attacks, and it's—it's it's kind of almost accidentally targeting warlocks because exactly. warlocks rely 
super heavily on Eldritch Blast and cantrips that you do have to make ranged attacks on. And I only know this from, I did, I probably wouldn't have known this if I have never played a Warlock, but I know as a player who's played two, like one Warlock NPC and now one Warlock PC, that Warlocks rely super heavily, way more than any other casting class on, on ranged spell attacks. Yeah. And warlocks get like maximum four spell slots usually. Sometimes five depends on you know different aspects. And you've seen how ineffective it is if you don't take those attacks as your spell slots. Exactly. And when you do use them and you can't crit, your effectiveness in combat, which we make as a part of your character, and that's it's interesting that she's not as effective in combat. That's part of the fun. But limiting yeah. it as a whole cloth thing for the class, I think is really going to limit warlocks just in general. Yeah, and like they're already like they are great class. I love warlocks. They're, they're fun like to my play, but if we're talking I, rules as written, yeah, if you talk rules as written, and like they're fun to role play, but when it comes to um, being an effective class in usually combat situations, out of combat, I think they're still super fun. They as well. just like but rangers, like uh, their strength is often comes from like the lore, like the actual like story yeah. of feats and stuff. Yeah. And I think they're gonna sadly, this is gonna make them go like when players go, oh, rangers suck though, don't they? Like, no, they got lots of cool shit. They're just not rolling the dice cool shit, and that's where warlocks are gonna go now. I think yeah so it, it's kind of accidentally I don't think they did this on purpose but it is targeting it's not tar it's not going to affect wizards it's not going to affect bards it's not going to affect um clerics because a lot of those classes either ha are just very um defense based or buff based or they their spells rely on saving throws but um yeah it's I, I saw it from that aspect and I'm like I understand where they're coming from but you're kind of fucking over what little advantages that a spell class like Warlocks have. And that's that's something I've always yeah. had an issue with balance. Even just the word balance. Like, when people talk about balance in this game. Because to me, if I wanted balance, like I mentioned to Alyssa when we were talking about, I would go play World of Warcraft. I would go play, I don't know, Destiny. Or whatever like i i'm playing this game because it's a story and stories aren't always balanced gandalf was over leveled if we're talking about the party uh, you know <laughs> that went to go throw the ring into the you know the fires of mount doom frodo was useless why would anyone play that class you know like that's not what makes an interesting story i understand that that can make yeah. an interesting game but we're not I, D and D can be so much more than just the game element of me versus the dice, and yeah. choices for balance. I think take that away from it a little bit. But that depends on how you play, though, because people play D and D for different reasons. There's people who play it for the story, so it doesn't mm -hmm. matter if Gandalf's like level a hundred and you have like a level five You're hobbit who's correct. carrying a ring. But if you're playing it for like the combat and the story and you want it to be you want there to be some sort of a balance because you, you know, don't have as much combat. fun when the wizard is yeah, stronger so than you when when you're the warlock and you can't do anything or you're not hitting it because the mechanics are set against you but everybody else is doing and having fun yeah what do you like what's your point in playing and that's like, my point, point of that balance class? of like the taking away class stuff or you have to fix that class yeah, yeah why yeah. not the balance giving things that like I'm, I'm always fine with stuff being overpowered i do have a problem sometimes with stuff being underpowered that i agree with 
Um, yeah. But, I'm, like, it's like when people, like, I often see players complain about stuff being, like, oh, that's OP. That just means everyone's going to play a wizard. But I have I have rules lawyers at my table, and I have people that play it for the max damage or whatever. They don't play a wizard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's all about player choice, and it's about your table, and it's about that group. Yeah. I understand that the rules as written are there to make it easy to go play at an organized play event, right? Like, everyone knows the rules. You're a level two fighter, feels as strong as my level two wizard. But I just, I don't like playing with people who are like, oh, that isn't fair. My guy's not as cool as yours. I just don't, that's just not why I play. And I, that's why I was saying, like, it's still a valid criticism. That's just yeah. why, like, that stuff doesn't affect me as much because I, think, I play for the story. Yeah, and, like, I think we all play a very similar play style. But I also think even at the most story-driven um, table, narrative-based table, where you try so, so hard as a DM, as a player, to make things work. Sometimes things just don't work. And that's okay because it's a game. Yeah. And it's okay to fail. And it's okay to have really bad days. And it's okay to let it get to you. Honestly, feel your feelings. Like, I let it get to me all the time because I've never played a fighter. And I get very frustrated when I'm not good outside of combat. It, I'm not used to it. I get very frustrated. I'm working on it. I'm talking to my DM about it. I'm trying to, like, find ways to balance it. I'm even, like, trying to talk myself into taking the luck feat just yeah. so I stop rolling like crap. And I'm just like, yeah, but it's overpowered. And like my DM and another player was just like, just take it. Who cares <laughs> just if it's OP? do it. Make an it's thing. fine. I just wanted like my biggest problem with playing a fighter right now is she is not good outside of combat. When she's in combat, she kills fucking everything. She does so much damage and it's amazing. And I love that power. And I've never had that power as a player before as a martial class it's really fun but then uh, we don't do battle very often so she doesn't get those moments a lot and a lot of the you know out of game moments go to players who have way more utility and who can actually pass certain skill checks when she can't and i under and it's it's very frustrating but it's a learning curve and if you have the right table and you have the right gm who wants to talk to you who wants to make sure you're maximizing your fun like don't give up on it too quickly especially if you have something special and I think every table that I play at I'm so lucky because I'm really good friends with everybody we're all very open so if you're having a hard time if you feel like things are not balanced that's okay just number one communicate just talk about it see what kind of things you can um, homebrew with your dm see weird things you can try out ask for advantage in weird places even though you shouldn't have it be like can i get advantage because she's had a really bad day and she just needs a win or like something and your gm be like yeah you know what of course she can yeah go for it like up the chances so like at the end of the day, like if you are comfortable at your table and you have things you want to work through, you can 100% work through them. But it's when people roadblock you and say, no, you can't do that. The rules don't say this or maybe they're not as receptive to change. That's when you have to, you know, think, OK, maybe this table isn't for you. Find somewhere else. Yeah. And but like, I also. Go ahead, yeah, go ahead. that's about it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's about it. Just like if you have a good table, you can work through most anything and it's a totally valid to feel frustrated and i know and that's where like i say like a lot of this like complaints and like like lissa was saying we're like er everything lissa said was also correct and that's my point is like it's such a subjective thing because it's such a big game right and i think part of it is 
what I look for a game, like Lisa mentioned, like people play the game for different reasons. And also people are at different tables, right? Like mm-hmm, some people play yeah. at a table where mm-hmm. it needs to be balanced because you will have a guy who is mad about it being imbalanced because it's not fun for him to have somebody else have a bigger moment than they do. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants that, that, that fairness, right? Uh, or some people want that fairness. I don't worry about fair. Like when my character does a bad job, I think it's an interesting chapter because if I read a book and the character did the perfect thing every single time in all fair balance with all of his other four friends on the adventure that'd be a boring fucking book and so i'm okay when my rogue rogue fails but not everybody plays the game like this is to tell that type of story right 100 yeah so it's it's all subjective and honestly that's that's part of my problem whenever there's new rules or people try to balance it's part of the reason i have a problem with balance is like what are you balancing right and i I give wizards a lot of shit, but that's something I don't envy, right? Like, I think they do some of the best job that they can sometimes when it comes to these because they have to make me happy, but they also have to make those rules lawyers happy. They have to make those miniature combat people happy. And that's a big ask. not easy. It's not Not easy. easy. I would say it's impossible. You can't make everybody happy. No, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it's like anything that's in playtesting, whether it's, like even like we were talking about Larry and they're getting a lot of feedback from their early access Baldur's Gate game and they cannot make everybody happy, but no. they can make people who can see their vision and see what they're trying to do. And that's happy. where and I, I that's think where that, it comes in. Yeah. yeah. I, I like if you see what they're trying to do, like I think we all see what D D is trying to do because we play it so much and we love this game. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the players that are going to give the most valuable feedback and hopefully like not please every type of player, but at least like, Hey, we understand what you're going for. Here's our suggestion to make it better. Or we understand where you're coming from, but I don't think this is the way to do it. Or we don't need a rule for this. Stop overcompensating <laughs> or something. Exactly. You know? And I think that's part of why, like I always get a little defensive. It's like, well, we disagreed with the whole bard thing is I never get mad at additions. I usually get mad at subtractions because I'm oh, good. Like yeah. one of my skills as a GM and again, all the credit to my players, including you is we all talk and agree at what kind of game we're going to play and yeah. you guys are okay with stuff being broken no one is mad at Charday when she has a really cool moment in the game because they didn't get a cool moment and i try to do a good job of making sure everyone gets something at the table and have a good time and we're all in it for the same thing so we're a little bit spoiled in that aspect but i'm not mad at them adding that bardic um flavoring to other players because if that was a problem at our table i wouldn't use it but I know that not every GM is as well-versed in their players to go, I don't like that rule. Maybe I shouldn't put it at my table because that might make Char feel less than, right? So, yeah. like, yeah. I have the confidence in my play style to be okay with every addition. It's the subtraction of certain things. And then, obviously, if you're going to add fucked up racist stuff, I have a problem with that. But... Yeah, and I, I, I agree with where you're coming from. I think if you add something, you just need to make sure you add it in all the right places. That's fair, too. Like, and that's why like, you were saying, like, you'd be okay if they'd add something for, for barbarians. I'm like, hell for... yeah, please add that. that was yeah, I just like, had to add... do that. <laughs> Add a rage fee. Add a well. It's called Lissa's Fury now. uh, Add Lissa's. Sorry. Add Lissa's Fury. (laughs) Add like favorite terrain for everybody. Like pick one class feature 
from every single. I like, love that because the, the mix and match is so cool. Like if they gave yeah. this musical feed that you yeah. give the barbarians thing, the yeah. I think the the favored um terrain is a great example from Rangers. Yeah. Like I'm going to do that. I'm making the list right now as we speak because Perfect. I'm very curious. I wanna yeah, I wanna look through it too when I have some time. Like if you take one feature from every class, make it into a feat so anybody could take it. That would be way more interesting. I just that's I'm what so it was protected. in 3.5 I, with the whole cross class thing, where like you were half class yeah. this and, and multi class that. And then also it it helps because I've talked to you know mutual friend John about this and just other people about this about how sometimes have we all been bitching stopped. and complaining about this? <laughs> all <laughs> <been> well, <laughs> just in general because I'm multi classing my character. He's already multi class. We talk about multi classing a lot. I make him nervous with the amount of stupid things I want to do with multi-classing. And he's like, you know, it's not going to work. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's not going to work. He's like, you give me anxiety. But that's a, he, <laughs> he has this, like, it's so funny because when it, him building and him playing are two massively different animals. Like I said, like yes, all the stuff that he's 100%. upset about are all the raw right now. And he gets mad at me yeah. a lot because I'll introduce something. He's like, that's broken. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not yeah. going to use it like it's broken. He's like, yeah, but we could. And I'm like, but you won't. You could. Yeah, and we, we talk all the time, and I've talked to a couple, I think, just people in general, I've probably brought this up, about how it really does suck when you just want to multi-class to get one specific thing for your character. Yeah, like he wanted rage, sacrifice. and he had to take a whole level in Barbarian. Yeah, and you have to sacrifice so much. It's one thing if you really do want that double class, like then it's totally 100% worth it. But if you but just if you want just rage, want if you it, just want that musical yeah. ability exactly then it i can see the merits you just have to do it equally for everybody protect the bard <laughs> so, so that's what i was gonna say so if i introduce <laughs> a, a feat from every single class that you could take to uh, and since yes. i save yourself from multi-classing you'd be fine with somebody being good at playing the guitar yeah that's it that's right. that's as long as it's as long as it's equal then I don't have a problem with it. I just had a pro. I mean, it might be equal. They might be doing that with everybody, but the fact that they used bars, <laughs> I got so angry. I literally stopped the video. I and I just had to like take a minute to cool down. I'm like, you're giving away the thing that makes bards bards. Are you kidding? And that's <laughs> like, why it's a good ranged. thing to admit your bias because look at we were able to solve an issue. And Lissa, you being a neutral third party, even though you took Char's side because you hate me, would you think that that's a fair, uh, fair compromise for this? I took Char's side. I said I can see where she's coming. You took her side. You saw the bitch. Love me more. Love me more. Understand me. No, you kept the conversation going, and I appreciate you. Outside of my heel character, Lissa, I love that you did that, so we can continue the conversation, even though Char's mic didn't work. But continue. Oopsie. Well, I mean, that, yeah, that's all I had to really say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she, loved, she loves me more, full stop, end of story. I mean, that's of no. course going to be true to a certain extent. <laughs> we're enemies. We're enemies. We hate each other's death. Oh, that's I true. I'm so sorry. We're, we're frenemies. I didn't also talk to Lissa all week because you weren't on here, so we had to talk even more about work stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. Char, you son of a bitch. Um anyways okay. let's um let's wrap this up here that's the stuff that we hate lissa do you have any specific ones that you want to hate on uh okay well the big one is i have a i have a fear i call it a fear okay and i'm just gonna as a graphic designer oh, I'm, looking interesting. At Wizard, oh. I'm looking at how much stuff they have for D and I'm looking at how they want to shove it all into one place and how 
big of a how big of a project that's gonna be and i have a fear that you're just gonna lose things in that one place because 100 that's a big ask the book and i have faith a, in but the website is a bigger issue i think yeah the website and i'm, I'm just coming from like at the electronic kind of web thing or the, the yeah, ui thing, ux design yeah the yeah ui ux the categorizing the finding things the I, I just have a fear that like th some things you'll be able to find and then other things will be lost into the ether because unless you know you they just... exist and can type it in the keyword search right exactly exactly yeah. that's one of my fears my second fear it's mine and my fears is... now too thanks yeah you're welcome <laughs> my second fear is that um unfortunately i am comparing wizards of the coast to adobe so you have a product that had different versions you sold different versions then you made it online and you were updating it through online and eventually you make it into a subscription mm. and it becomes really fucking expensive because it's the industry standard and that's what i'm afraid of that's because when it goes into digital and then now because the way that uh, companies are profiting off of digital is you make it into a subscription it's a monthly payment and it, you, it's like gatekeeping the access to that product. Yeah. And my fear is just that gatekeeping. So it's yeah. going to, if it goes into that, and that's my fear, is, is like the accessibility for players who do not have the privilege of having enough money to pay for that subscription, for not having enough money to have a computer that can run this you know program to not being able to so while it does have like accessibility issues that it solves i feel like if it turns into a subscription thing then we're going backwards and I, that's what i fear I, I i agree with your fear and i think it will to a certain extent but no more than it already is with you having to buy the book to learn the new tiefling feat right because yeah. they're not going to stop selling the physical books because of how much money it makes them. The second that that yeah. changes, I think everything will be behind that paywall. So I think it's a correct yeah. fear. Um, but I think because they sell so many of the hardcovers and it's such a big part of their business model, I don't think we have to worry about that. Past the fact that you still yeah. have to buy the new book to figure out what that new feat is, right? So I think, yeah. honestly, your fear is already realized. There's already that yeah. gatekeeping mentality there because it's a business. And you already have to buy that book to learn, like, I mean, yeah. to get the plus two from Turtles or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but... Like the more the more bigger it grows mm -hmm. as a digital platform, and the more it becomes like one one big thing, and they like bring in more bits and pieces, the more they're gonna gatekeep it. Exactly. Because and online use it by access and subscription. Yeah. Because yeah. and yeah. that's the the monopoly yeah. of it all. It's I I always have two minds because when I heard that that they bought D and D Beyond, I was so excited because I know they were going to take D and D Beyond to the next level, which we can talk about in a second. And they are doing that, and that's really exciting. However, you know that that means that it's going to be behind that that paywall, and some of it won't be, but they could uh, uh, eventually charge you for everything. Whereas in D and D Beyond was a cool thing, and it was separate, so it inspired some sort of competition. Now it will not. It's like Disney. Yeah. Like I always talk about Disney. I eat up a lot of what Disney does because I love Star Wars. I love 
um, you know, uh, Marvel. I, I love all the stuff that they own, and they're just giving me more of it to a quality that I am okay with. So I'm excited that they put out She-Hulk and Moon Knight and Miss Marvel. But there is a part of me going, would we have better stuff if it was separated? Because competition breeds excellence, yeah. right? And yeah. they can just eventually have a monopoly. If they own everything, I got a shill at the Disney. They could do whatever they want with my stuff, and it's my only place to get Spider-Man, which is not true because it's at Sony, but you get what I'm saying. And it's the same yeah, thing yeah, with yeah, D&D. Yeah. So right now they're giving me a lot of stuff that I want, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, and there's competition when it comes to other RPGs and other people that are going to use those systems. But D&D Beyond being under that umbrella and then putting everything behind that subscription could lead to the shitty thing that you're exactly saying, Lissa. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit of both. I'm excited because the tilt shift camera of the miniatures and being just to have that one subscription, I get all the books. It's exciting for me. Like, that's cool. And it's going to be financially yeah, so feasible. <laughs> that's one of the things. It's like, it's it's cool because it's new. But then at the point where it's not new anymore, that's when things change. That's well, when, when they stop supporting it, right? Like when they go, yeah. well, they don't have any other place to get to it. So we can make that $100. Exactly. When, when, when it becomes like that pompousness, that like Adobe was a good example, mentality. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Adobe used to be a really good platform, and while still expensive, you paid for the license once, you get all that stuff. It was kind of worth it, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, for no. a, a different example, I, I do a lot of comic book stuff. I bought Clip uh, Studio, which if you don't know, it's like it used to be like Manga Studio. Um, oh yeah, I saw that there was something going on with Clip Studio now. Yeah, so like I bought it before there was like when there was just a license, you got to keep it forever. You get the newest version, and then they did what Adobe did, and you just have a subscription model. You cannot subscription purchase it. exactly, uh, and that's the way of the future. Everyone's going to do that. They're not inherently exactly. more evil. That's just the evil thing that no, all these no, no, that's just do. the way that digital products are going. But exactly, then, yeah. all Adobe's fault. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> if we want to get into it, it's kind of Microsoft's fault. But yeah, I, um, I would say it's rather yeah <laughs> but like that that sucked i did but i got in ahead of time i have it i like it i use it until it will become deprecated eventually right and i will have yeah. to do the subscription model and yeah. so there is that inherent place of evil people can go well you're assuming the worst i always assume worse of, of corporations because that is their bottom line it is money and that's okay and i understand that and i live in a capitalistic society and i participate in it so i have to be okay with that that doesn't mean i have to be happy with it yeah. I'm just coming in from a person who's paying, like, a shitload of money to get access to Adobe programs. <laughs> right. And part of that is, is, like, I don't play with every single aspect of D&D 5e as the Forgotten Realms, like, supplements because I can't afford to. Like, yeah. I don't have, like, a lot of stuff. Like, I didn't do anything and with Dominaria because I could not afford to buy that set. That's mm -hmm. just uh, the, the truth of it. Yeah, and that's yeah. always going to be part of it for the hobby. The cool thing about this hobby is, is if I want to make that race that came out of that book or that class that came out of that one, I can probably find supplements online to tell me how to do it. I could probably make something out of my own because they put a lot of tools in there to do that. Mm -hmm. It takes a little bit more work, but a lot of what we pay for is the convenience anyway. So if it's still possible for you to do it for free, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. Like, I, there's going to be a lot of tools that are locked behind D&D Beyond, but do you need them to play it? No. And that's the part where I don't think it's as gatekeeping as some aspects of, like, Adobe, right? Where, like, I could still play D&D yes. for free. <laughs> yes, that's true. And until that goes away, I'm not going to be as angry. 
I don't think it's ever going to go away. I don't think it I can. Think the game is inherently, you have dice on a sheet with your name on it, you know? like Exactly. Yeah. The game the game's premise can never go away, but new access to new content, I think, definitely. And could become more expensive yeah. and be limited. And that, I, yeah. I can't tell you that your fears are wrong because we've seen it be realized in almost every other medium, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. But um, that said, like the cool things that we didn't really mention, the D and D Beyond new miniature virtual tabletop looks really cool. Um, I love I that. Like, that oh, you haven't looked at it? No. Oh, oh yeah, I've been. It- Go ahead, Lisa. I haven't done anything but like binge Netflix. I. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Charday, it's your dream. It's like um the div. Hold on. Yeah, it's it's the Div 2 thing where you're the mas- game master and you can move around and you have token or characters. That you is it better than Roll20? It's, it is, is better, it better than, than Roll20. It, it, supposedly, it looks better than Roll20. Yes, all right, that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. You don't even have to sell me on it. Yeah, picture Div 2. You literally, Div 2 and not Roll20 is all you need to tell me. Char, have you looked up any tilt shift videos where like they took a game that looked one way and then they tilt shifted it? Yes. So they did that for D&D. So everything looks like, even though the miniatures are actually very large character like models, they've tilt shifted everything. So it looks like a really high quality HD 2D RPG um, instead of just the tokens, right? Like one of the things like we, we can shit on D20, but D20 um, uh, is all tokens, right? Like it's all flat. It can be run in a browser. You're going to have a hard time running this in a browser. Um, so there is that yeah, negative but... to it, but it has way more because you don't have to you're not going through a third party these are people at wizards of the coast working into it everything's built in yeah it's like some of the better yeah. tabletop simulator mods um yeah yeah I, i'm really excited for it it looks amazing it also looks intuitive enough and like like that's one thing that's really good about d20 it's really easy to have somebody jump on and know how to move their character around in in real time yeah. this looks intuitive enough have you watched any of the starstruck odyssey from dimension 20 no so the way that they do their combat is they go full 3d and they're using a computer system similar to tabletop simulator to move around their combat when when uh you know brennan wants to move the npc ship they move it that far within the rules and similar to like what you would get out of playing Baldur's gate 3 where instead of the character having to remember the player having to remember you can only move 30 feet it'll give you a warning when you move that 30 feet that's as far as your character can move but you can make an exception if the dm said no it's fine move 40 feet or whatever but it's a really good tabletop simulator with all of the Mm built-in rules and built-in minifigs um i don't know if that comes with the subscription if you're gonna have to buy them paint them what aspects are being tied in there but it it is my dream tabletop simulator when it comes to 5e it would make like one of the reasons why i do theater of the mind is because i can't do all the other stuff as easily and this looks like it's going to allow us to do basically what we wanted to do with like that GM mode, right? Is be able to mm-hmm. yeah. run our mind's eye in an equivalent way with the miniatures. Um, and depending on how expensive the miniatures are in game, if you get like the full suite of kobolds, cause it's just free with your subscription, that's enough to make me purchase it. I think um, on top of having all the book rules. But I'm excited for it. It's worth looking into. It was a really, it was one of the like things that no one really mentioned at first. I was like, that's one of the coolest things on this. Um, Yeah. Who will be able to run it on their computer? (laughs) uh, We'll see. Yeah, exactly. The fact that like graphics cards still cost more than the car right now. I don't have a lot of high hopes for our group. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, I'm excited for it. This has been our first two and a half hour podcast. Wow. Biggin. Yeah, big that's boy. a biggin. Um, like it's like a, it's like a slovenly trolls episode. Exactly. Yeah, it's, just, it's a regular <laughs> slovenly trolls episode. Welcome. Exactly. Welcome. I mean, I've done lots of long fun. podcasts before, but not just on all this news. That's the thing is, like, we no BS. We covered, and we didn't really go off topic that often. No, not really. Um, yeah. Um, so that's it. If you like this podcast, uh, you know, like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, check out all of our other podcasts over on campykillcreations.com. And if you want to support us or support any of the other podcasts on the network, head on over to patreon.com slash campykillcreations, drop a buck or do you get early podcasts, bonus podcasts, lots of cool content. We have our lore rewrites that Shar writes over there. I do the art for Alyssa does layouts and we make some of the problematic D and D stuff less problematic um this month we're doing monsters is that correct char yeah we're starting uh, a monster theme did you post the one for hags yet no i'm waiting for lissa to put it in the um format because i i had to give it to somebody to give me a grammar uh check because nobody did that so i'm like i need a grammar check i didn't see any grammar (laughs) issues i i did look over it but i didn't like that last one that we did where I was like, hey, here's a little bit of combo notes. That was because I found yeah. stuff to combo on there. I didn't. Yeah. The only one was that one word. And that's not even grammar. That was more nitpicky. I'm like, maybe you should say hunted instead. I didn't see I anything. I was going to. I almost changed it. But, um, but you hate because me, so hunters, you No, hunters is used in the same sentence. So having hunting mm, and hunters and hunted is, is difficult. I get you there. Um, I tried. I really did. But yeah, no, normally I at least I'd go, hey, dude, put a comma in here. But I didn't see anything in defense of your lawyer rights so don't take that take that as me going i didn't do the pass i did the pass no you did i know you did (laughs) so i just want you to know you did a good job and that's harder to to accept um very hard to accept i don't like i I get you man i get you there's Uh, something wrong (laughs) i just hired an editor for the first time for my comic book stuff and they were like no it looked good and i'm like i i paid you money to tell me (laughs) that it was bad so come on ma'am i need you to do another pass here um but anyways so you can go check out all that stuff do it shard takes a lot of time on doing the rewrites i take some time doing the art and lissa very quickly fixes all of our work so (laughs) (laughs) so so take that with what you will um if you want to follow me on twitter or any other places online i do a lot of comic book stuff you can find me at resident stevel you can find me again on the website campykillcreations.com um at ritf underscore pod at can't be killed creations pod um and then char where can the people find you online they can find me as one of the co-hosts of the slovenly trolls podcast which i think by the time that this episode when is this episode coming out it's going out monday 29th okay so two three days three days after this episode comes out um our newest episode of the slovenly trolls podcast will come out where we talk about D&D and feminism and give our opinions on all the things and I also run the Slovenly Trolls Twitter at Slovenly Trolls Perfect Lissa where can the people find you online Uh, They can find me running the Slovenly Trolls podcast Instagram as well (laughs) as the Cave Trolls pod Twitter Yes so do we it. have our own twitter go like us we follow have a twitter us, and 
you know, keep me company. Give those give those <laughs> shout outs that I was telling Lissa about that people were like, yeah, this is good. Go tell her. Um, also, <laughs> if you want to email us and tell us anything, we're campykillcreations at gmail.com. Um, you can get a hold of most of us from the network over there. We do lots of cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to do any business with us, you can find us over there as well. Uh, we have been the Cave Trolls and Long Winded, and we're out. Now comes that special time of the podcast where we thank our Patreon producers. This month we have the Trellbot themselves, the Highlander, Chantrell Every. Thank you so much, Chantrell, for everything you do, especially monetarily. You keep the lights on, the mic's going. I just want to say thank you again from the whole network. You are our Patreon producer and the Highlander. There can be only one Chantrell. Next up for the Patreon producers, we have Jeremy Raymond. Jeremy is a newcomer, and I want to say thank you, Jeremy. It's okay that you're late to the party. It's okay that you're new. You are welcome here, especially because you wrote us a check. So, you know, you know, have at it. You're welcome to our snacks. You're welcome to the fridge. I think I saw a dog running around in the background. You know, you can go pet the dog, take it with you, whatever you want. Because, again, you paid to be here. You are a producer of the show. You keep the lights on. You keep the mics rolling. Um, you probably paid for something else that's around here that I'm unsure of. So I'm just going to say thank you again for the 10,000th time. Thank you, Jeremy Raymond.